Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is a network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Merry Christmas And welcome to Keeping it strong style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy Josh Smith and Rich Latta from One Nation Radio. On today's show, we will be announcing the winners of the second annual Keeping It Strong Style Year in Awards, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com forward slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Make sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv. Over 4,000 hours of independent pro wrestling from across the world. Over 100 promotions. Tons of international promotions. A lot of great indie content. If you use the code social suplex, you'll get one free month of this service. After that, it's only $4.99, so check it out, powerslam.tv, use the code SOCIALSUPLEX. All right, gentlemen, it's time to uh, announce the winners of our awards. Yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, we're here. (laughs) And we got all the holiday cheer, it's cold outside, all all of us bundled up in hoodies, I'm drinking some uh, Casa Cielo, got the whole Christmas vibe going on. The truth is, I think we're all recovering from recording the FOH draft last night. Yes. 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 So by now. <laughs> a by legendary n- moment in the history of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yeah, by now you should have seen that on your feed. Um, show dropped on a Sunday. What was it Saturday? Sunday, Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday morning. The Lord's Day. <laughs> all, the Lord's, all that cussing. Oh, my oh, gosh. You know what, bro? Like, the, the show is actually really funny, but, like, all I'm going to say is, like, don't drink in podcasts, or if you do, do it responsibly. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel very good to be doing this because I'm excited about these awards, but also because I can make coherent speech at this moment. I can articulate what I'm trying to say. Last night was a cluster. It, yeah, oh my yeah, god, dude, it was wild. Yeah. So if you haven't checked it out yet, 
check it out, FOH Draft. It's on the Social Suplex feed. The, the funny thing with <clears> it is, like, I rarely, if ever, cuss on the air. And at one point, like, I was, like, just F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. <laughs> Let them off. I was like, what? I said that? like. <laughs> yeah, dude, listening back, I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, we said yeah. some wild stuff. Yeah. And, um... Glad to have Rich on the show again. We've we've had Rich. We've been doing a lot of recordings with you yeah. lately. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and, and he was here when we announced the categories. It's only right that return for the. Uh, yeah. This feels like uh, we're like the fabulous Freebirds. I call Terry Gordy. Y'all can find it out for the other two. Well, Michael Hayes is racist, so I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's but, why. That's why I left. The right? <laughs> Oh but shout out to all you guys uh, that listened to uh, the last show that I was on and show love uh, in the comment section. We appreciate it and um, look forward to giving you guys another good show. Yeah, bro. Like, me and Jeremy never get like shouted out specifically. People are like, hey, Rich, you did a really good job yeah, on the show, man. Yeah, really like having Rich on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, he's never coming back on the show. <laughs> yeah, bury that man. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, we are so excited. Uh, we also, before we get into the awards here, we just want to say that we officially more than doubled the fan vote participation that we had one year ago. Yeah, dude, it's crazy to think, man. 302 votes this year. Dude, we just smashed it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. awesome. We, um, yeah, like, we didn't think we were going to do that and then right, like, the la- there's like a last minute just like rush of votes cause like beginning of last week I think we're at like 230 maybe 210 220 Two, so, so, we're low 200 and then we made that last like blitz that week and got those votes in yeah so uh, thank you if you participated if you voted uh, it means a lot to us we did have a we didn't say it on the air but I did have a goal I was like I would like to see the fan votes doubled you know, this year, and we did that, and I don't see any reason why in 2019 we don't do over 600 votes or let's, let's even do, more than that. Right, we can do it. So I'm excited, but yeah, uh, the moment that you have all been waited have been waiting for with bated breath, the Keeping It Strong Style 2018 New Japan Pro Wrestling Year End Awards, and we're gonna start off with uh, our first award here. So the news story of the year. And the nominees were Harold Mai becoming the new president of New Japan, the Elite's contract negotiations, Ring of Honor slash New Japan Pro Wrestling selling out Madison Square Garden, Chris Jericho coming to New Japan Pro Wrestling, the record-grossing year for uh, New Japan in 2018, and then the, the story of the international expansion of New Japan. And without further ado, we have your winners. So coming in at third place... With 211 uh, voting points, uh, the the elite's contract negotiations, which I was surprised. I thought it had a very good chance, given especially this time of the year, at winning, uh, but it came in third. And this was a tight race with 529 votes. The second place is Chris Jericho coming to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the winner with 542 points... Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling sell out Madison Square Garden. I gotta say they got it right. Um, I voted the same way, uh, except my the contract and Chris Jericho was switched. I had Jericho at three, mm. uh, but on top, Ring of Honor and New Japan selling out that 
shook the business. It scared the hell out of like Vince. Yeah, dude, I mean that was. I mean that whole show has shooken up the way that WrestleMania weekend is going to be laid out next year. Yep. Several shows moving around. We saw Takeover move to Friday. Shows are starting earlier now. Switching yep. up days. This MSG show is a big deal, and the fact you know WWE has pretty much been the main pro wrestling company that's run that building. And so to have since the, like fifties, yeah. So to have <laughs> ring since, of, since before WWF didn't exist, right? Since right. it was Capital Wrestling, like yeah. you know, Capital Corp. And then you have Ring of Honor, New Japan partnering, coming into New York, selling out MSG in a matter of minutes. That's it's a huge deal. Um, we're gonna get to see guys like Okada and Tanahashi and Naito um, wrestling on the East Coast and uh, MSG. I mean, it, it. Yeah, there's a lot like the the trickle effect. And the butterfly effect that has been felt throughout the wrestling industry when this specific event took place. I mean, there's been a lot of like things that have led to the Madison Square Garden sellout. But a- after that, you start seeing all sorts of stuff. Stuff going on in Europe with WWE. The stuff with, you know, the American Indies and Evolve and them kind of becoming a farm league for them. And, you know, WWE trying to sign up all, all these different talents. And MLW raising up their, you know, their kind of like banners and... Ring of Honor doing the same thing, and it's almost like all the the buddy buddy stuff is about to be. It's over. done, it's right? Done. Yeah, pretty much the battle lines have been drawn. Pretty much it's like all promotions for themselves at this point. Like everybody's trying to sign who they can, and you know, worry about their own product. Even you know? even um, you know, NXT Takeover was moved to the Friday to Friday. Uh, I'm not saying it's specifically directly correlated to Madison Square Garden running on the same day with New Japan and Ring of Honor, but there's a good chance that in some way it, it was, you know, uh, influenced by that. So that's that's really, really, really telling. I mean, I don't have all the stats uh, anymore, but I think, like, if I remember correctly, this is, like, the second fastest sellout in the history of Madison Square Garden for something, wrestling. Something like that, yeah. I think, like, WrestleMania um, 20 was the only thing that sold out faster than this. Yeah. And it's been, you know, years since WWE has sold out Madison Square Garden. And New Japan them did it in record time. Uh, we still don't know... <laughs> <laughs> Who's all going to be on Who's that show? Who's going to be on that show? Well, we, they did confirm that Tanahashi, Okada, and Naito That's right. from, from the New Japan side will be on the show. Uh, Marty Skrull's been all over the promotional stuff on the, from the Ring of yeah. Honor side. Um, so, yeah, from, from, from Ring of Honor, we don't know. We, we can assume Jay Lethal, he's a champion. They just signed dudes like Bandito, um, Brody King, PCO. Jeff I expect, Cobb. Jeff Cobb. I expect all those guys to be there. Mark Haskins. Yeah, Mark Haskins. Black, all kinds of guys. I have a strong inclination that, because we didn't really talk about this, but during final battle, at the, during the title match afterwards, Nick Aldis made his way out holding the NWA title. I have a strong inclination that the NWA will be represented on that Madison Square Garden show in some form or capacity. I wouldn't even be too surprised if we ended up seeing a champion versus champion, ROH versus NWA yeah, sort of that, match. That could happen. I think that they have started to like lay... I'm, I'm just spitballing, but it seemed like that would be the ideal show to do something like that, given the success they had running Nick Aldis at All In. Correct, you know? yeah. But this, is, this was a big, big deal. Um, you know, It just goes to show you that there are... People all over the country, not just in California, that want to see, you know, New Japan. Look at what just happened um, when they they sold out North Carolina in two hours. Right. And, and so there's people on the on the East Coast that want to see them. Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, 
as soon as they announced that, we were quick, like, dude, we have to go, like, we have to get tickets, and we luckily were able to get tickets for that show. We got them during the pre-sale, and the pre-sale, they almost sold out. Yeah. Like, that's why they sold out so quickly, officially, during the real sale, because they The had Honor s- Club pre-sale, yeah. The Honor Club pre-sale was insane. Was a great investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, congratulations to, um, you know... Ring of Honor, New Japan selling out Mass Square Garden. That is the news story of the year for 2018. And our next category is the excursion match of the year. I think this might be one of my favorite categories that we decided to do this year. Yeah, I, I'm, this was a great idea that you had, young boy. And the voting was all all over the place. So many people. I mean, it was so close. People were voting really for close. all their favorite matches. Um, but, you know, only one could win so, coming in at third place, we have Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. from Rev Pro um, live in New Orleans. Coming in second place was Will Ospreay versus Walter from OTT fourth anniversary show. And then your winner, an excursion match of the year, coming in first with 377 points, Omega Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr. From all in, man, that's a, wow, that's a that's a shocker. So a couple things before we discuss that, I just want to point out um, the lowest voted match on this entire thing was uh, Michael Elgin versus Ultimo Guerrero from CMLL, which does make sense to some degree um, because it is you know it's CMLL and I, I you know it seems based on the kind of interactions that are on the internet that maybe not as many people watch Lucha Libre, but I was surprised to see that they only got six. Points. <laughs> yeah. Which means that could have been like, you know. They got zero first place votes. But uh, the other one I want to point out, and I, I want to take a victory lap for this one. With 136 points, Cody versus Nick Aldis from All In. This was the match that Jeremy wanted to leave off this ballot. <laughs> Dude, I did. I, I was not, you know, feeling. I mean, it was a great. Don't get me wrong. It was a good match. A great feel good moment for that show. But personally, I felt when stacked against all these other matches, I wasn't, you know, I was like, eh. No, you're absolutely no, right, but, but I just felt like there's an argument given the fact yeah. that it was a huge title match on right. one of the biggest shows of the entire year. And they got 57 first place points. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm shocked. So, uh, Ishii and Sabre, I voted that third. All in, Omega Pentagon, second. My number one was Riddle and Osprey from that was, WWE. That was, Super that was my number one also. Was that my number one as well? Uh, I don't How'd that one do? Uh, let's see. So Riddle and Osprey, that got 144 points. No, I voted Man. I voted Walter and Osprey as first That's right, place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I am not too surprised for a few reasons. Actually, you know, I'm really surprised that Ishii and Saber did as well as it did because I did feel like it's it's a, like a a Rep Pro indie match WrestleMania weekend. But at the same time, I guess if you think about it, it was on New Japan World. New Japan World. It probably got a lot of play on there. Maybe that's I. I guess more people saw it than I realized. Yeah. But you know, OTT is kind of like one of those unheralded. Like it's getting a lot of hype now. Yeah. But I don't know how big the audience or the viewership is, and so I thought when we did this that there's a good chance that one of the all-in matches, just given the stage, the stage. yeah, given. You know, the notoriety and all the ambiance and everything that was surrounding that show, that that especially the people involved, Omega, Pentagon, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but I I really did think Osprey and Walter had a, a very good chance to be number one. Yeah. And they did well, but they were not even close. I mean, Omega and Pentagon Jr. 
with 337 uh, points, they swept this thing. I yeah, mean, swept it. That's a whooping. Yeah, uh, I mean, nothing against the match or anything, but it was like, wow, that, that's just such a one-sided beating for everything on there with all this quality in the category. Yeah, I mean, when, when it comes to first place votes, it, it was really close for Omega and Pentagon and Osprey and Walter from that's OGT. True. Mm. But then when you got to the second and third place votes, the, the Omega and Pentagon just kind of cleaned up there. What it looks like to me, because Osprey and Walter got 162 first place votes or, point. or points. And Omega and Pentagon had 165. So they were literally only one vote away from each other in first place points. Mm-hmm. Where it breaks down is that Omega and Pentagon have a ton of second place and third place points. So it was like, even if they didn't vote for that, you couldn't leave it off your ballot because it was that highly regarded. Whereas it seemed like with Osprey and Walter, if it wasn't in your first place you weren't going to rate it hardly at all. And maybe that speaks to the quality of that match. Like, people who saw it probably do think it's, like, that, number one. And, and it is just the reach. Right? And then the it people who reach. didn't see it probably didn't vote for it as much because it's very evident, got very few second and third place votes. Right. I mean, OTT did make a smart move by putting that match out on YouTube. Yeah. So a lot of people did get to see it. But, you know, not as much as probably that saw Omega and Pentagon from All In. I, I thought that A-Kid Zack Sabre might have a better shot, and it didn't, you know, it's kind of like this indie niche, like it just kind of became, right. blew up. I don't think a lot of people seen that yet. Um, the Osprey Riddle matches, I was surprised they didn't do better than they actually ended up doing. You know, I thought they were going to do very well as well. Yeah. And um, But, man, so, I mean... Before we move on, let's just talk about this Omega Pentagon match and what your guys, you know, thoughts were. I mean, do you think it's deserving of being the excursion match of the year? Definitely. I mean, Josh, you and I were there live for that match <laughs> um, at All In, and dude, just seeing two of the best wrestlers in the world go at it was just incredible. And you know, I'm a big Kenny Omega fan, love him, and I've become a big fan of Pentagon in the last couple of years too. And those guys went out, did all their greatest hits, and just told an epic, you know, epic story. I actually voted for that match second on my on my list, and it was an incredible match. Like I remember watching it at the time, like Omega was so giving to a guy he could have eat, eaten up. Right. Like, there's no reason that IWGP champion has to go in there with a guy that is not signed in New Japan, is not on a major North American company, is just kind of you know he has a name off of Lucha Underground, which is kind of a a fading product. He's a former Impact World Champion. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, which is also a fading product. <laughs> what are you talking about? They're on the Pursuit channel. <laughs> Look, now go pursue where that's located. <laughs> and be, be careful when you're flipping through the channel surrounding Pursuit, depending on your uh, yes. cable provider. Yes. Thank you, thank your you package to, options. Th- yeah. Thank you for the research to, Rick, to Ricky from the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling yeah. Show. He uh, had the research. us with that information. Yeah, let us know what exactly was going on those channels yeah um but yeah i i love the match i thought it was a very giving performance by omega as well as an awesome performance and just a unique match and that's what i thought all in was about right. and, and that match personified all in like where are you gonna see this potentially we might not see these guys wrestle ever, ever. again <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know with kenny kenny is a guy who in the past has had a reputation for being someone who goes on excursion matches a lot we saw a lot less of that this year because of, you know, his his placement in the company being the IWGP champion. His dates were kind of limited. But what we did see is the times when he did go out and wrestle in other companies or other promotions, they were always big moments. Like, he really picked his spots. Mm-hmm. And of all the performances, this was the one that I think stu- like stood out head and shoulders above everything else. 
more than the match with Phoenix, more than the Cody stuff, more than the WrestleMania weekend stuff. Um, they really set the stage for a true, in every sense of the word, dream match that when All In was announced, we saw the talent lineup. We're like, who's going to wrestle Pentagon? When they announced it's going to be Kenny, it was like, oh, oh my, oh my and God. And I think that was a big deal for us, too, because, you know, WrestleMania weekend, it was supposed to be Golden Lovers versus Lucha Brothers. Yeah. And that would have been the first time Omega and Pentagon would have been in the ring. And they got No, they were, well, they had one, they had a, a six man in PWG. Yeah, so it would be the second time. And um, that was kind of taken away from us due to, you know, politics with the relationship with um, CMLL, AAA, all that stuff. So to finally get these guys in a one-on-one match um, was a really big deal. The, the other thing, too, <clears throat> just speaking to the quality of the match, I mean, I think most people rate it, like, what, four and three quarters? Like, a pretty, yeah. it's a pretty consensus rating on that match. They had an excellent story with Kenny getting his arm kayfabe broken or injured, and he had trouble going for the one-winged angel. They actually got to a point where, because it was non-title, they had me believe. I knew Pentagon was never going to beat Kenny Omega. But they they had one near fall in there that was dude the package pile driver, dude. Yeah, and Kenny kicked out of that. And I mean, just given the the fact that this was the largest independent wrestling show in the history of North America, and given Kenny's station in life as a wrestler, you know, in Pentagon, um, he caught a dude at the right time. You can kind of talk about other matches on this list and you can have an argument for maybe like Walter and Osprey or Osprey and Riddle maybe being superior matches depending on your taste but when you talk about everything that makes a match a match of the year candidate the 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 setting the crowd the atmosphere you know the energy the story all of that this had all the elements that you would want in a great encounter and I think by the end of this year, not just in our awards, I think that this this match is going to be high up in almost any awards poll. Yeah, definitely. So, so go, oh, go ahead. Uh, I'll say congratulations, uh, Kenny Omega, Pentagon Jr. That's your excursion match of the year. Kenny Omega winning uh, the first award of that he's eligible for on this poll ballot. Hmm. I wonder mm. if that's gonna any signs of what's to come. <laughs> so um, it's gonna be a real bad night for the for the. Uh, yeah, for, for the subsec. <laughs> so the junior match of the year, um, coming in at third place with 243 points, we have Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi from Dominion, the second match they had this year. Mm-hmm. Um, coming in with 341 points, Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull from Sakura Genesis. And coming in at first place with 516 points, Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori from the Best of the Super Junior Finals. Wow. Wow. And you know, after, you know, Meltzer gave that match the 5.5, I am not surprised that this match was voted so high. Um, People were in love with this match universally. Um, Don't get me wrong. It was a phenomenal matchup, but I, I do think I wasn't quite as high on it as maybe Meltzer and a couple other people, but... Clearly, universally, all New Japan fans really love this thing. Yeah, it, it cut off what my third place vote was on here, but I did have that second. And uh, I actually went with Skrull and Osprey at Sakura Genesis for my junior match of the year. But yeah, that was also my first place I don't vote think, also. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those matches. Um, the <sighs> Hiromu is going to do very well this award season based on the and it's I hate to say it like this it's almost a Shibata situation where 
he t- he basically he had that match with Okada, and it was like, oh my god, this is like nuts. And then you never saw him again, and then that's the last memory you have. And then Hiromu breaking his neck makes you reevaluate him in a sense where it's like, wow, what did we have in this special special performer? And this was arguably his finest hour. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have a problem with that being you know number one. You know. Um I, I agree with you guys. I also voted for Osprey and Skrull as first place. And I do remember at the time when Takahashi and Ishimori wrestled, um, I remember loving the match, being thrilled with it. But a couple things. I was a little burnt out, um, as I can tend to be when I've binge-watched a bunch of matches. And Best of Super Juniors is no exception. Um, I kind of procrastinated. And... You know, I had to binge watch a lot of wrestling to catch up for the finals. By the time I saw that match, I remember being thrilled with it and like loving it. But when I saw the 5.5, and we've already we've talked ad nauseum about <laughs> me having issues with the star rating scale, I, I remember almost playing like defense against that rating and being like, "This match is incredible, but there's no way it's better than every five star match that's ever happened in mm-hmm. in all time." Um, and maybe that has detracted my memories of the match because at the end of the day, I can have my opinion, we can have our opinion, think Osprey and Skrull's better, but when it has 516 points, and this is a, a wide-range fan vote... Like, maybe we need to, like, maybe, watch that again. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, is, like, maybe I need to sit back and, like, with fresh eyes, re-watch this thing. Um, I know I voted for it as second place, but... Like, you know, who, who knows more about wrestling, me or Dave Meltzer? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, who knows more about me about wrestling? Us, are th- these three guys sitting around this table who have very similar tastes in wrestling or the hundreds of people that voted on these awards? And, I mean, it got 372 points. That means, like, m- over a third of the people who voted thought that this was the junior match of the year. Yeah, and, you know, I think a, a big thing for me with this match, too, was... You know, Taiji Ishimori just came into the company. He beat Will Ospreay in the first night of the tournament. And a lot of people thought that Ishimori was going to win this tournament. Yeah. And it was a big, you know, almost a surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise, but it kind of was with Hiromu winning. So that was just kind of a big moment. And Hiromu just had a great tournament this year and had a lot of stellar performances with a lot of top guys in that B block and just topped it all off with this great match with Ishimori. Now, for our awards, we ended up doing a distinction where we put... Because we were like, you know what, there's so many great junior matches. We had 10 junior matches on this list that were all close, over over four and three quarters to five stars, basically. And then we have our match of the year, which we'll get to later. And we almost did feel kind of bad that we weren't putting these junior matches in the same category. But I didn't want to detract from these matches and have them looked down on. But maybe there is an argument that they should have been included because look at this. I mean, you got to wonder with how many votes Takahashi Nishimori got, how would ha- how, how would that would match have, have done? Yeah. Um, I just didn't feel qualified as a viewer to say that only these three junior matches mm-hmm. that are four and three quarters deserve to be in, right. and not and, the and other eight. Or and whatever. you know, we didn't we didn't want to have you know twenty nominees for match of the year. Like some people. So what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they know we thought it'd be better to give the junior match of the year its own category. And, you know, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the strong style fight of the year. I mean, there were just so many great matches in different classes and categories that we decided to give each class its own shine. And I thought 
it was a great thing for us to give the junior division its own shine, its own, you know, focus. You know, this, focus co- this company is known for having the best junior division in all of wrestling, and it's been that way since probably the early 80s. Um, you know, so I think it is important that we that we recognize this distinct style of match that the juniors, this distinct, you know, division you know, it's not just us being like, oh, we're looking down on them because they're juniors. So that here, we're going to stick you in your own class. It's like, no, the company has two distinct weight classes that they have imposed on on wrestling. So I think it's awesome that we're doing a junior match of the year. And now we can turn around and say, hey, out of every – in this incredible cutthroat, insane, like death-defying style, this is the pinnacle. And so that's awesome. Like congratulations to Taiji Shimori and Hiromu Takahashi moving the culture, pushing the boundaries. <laughs> this match just freaking ruled. And so now we're going to do the strong style fight of the year. Oh, I I, I lied before. I said that excursion match of the year is my favorite word. This is my new favorite word. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, this was another new category unique to this year. Um, so coming in at third place with 258 points, Minoru Suzuki versus Tomohiro Ishii from Power Struggle. Coming in second place with 371 points, Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii from G1 Climax Day 14. And your winner, coming in with 421 points, the Strong Style Fight of the Year. Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii from G1 Climax Day 10. Yes, I love this match. I I wrote a, a, a detailed breakdown of the match and reviewed it on my podcast over the summer. This match was incredible. This was everything I want in wrestling. It was hard-hitting, dramatic, dangerous. Dangerous moves. It was quick. Yes. Like, we didn't have to... It was violent. It was 16 minutes long, and it wasn't, you know, in New Japan, we're used to the epics, the 25, 30, 35-minute matches. I love those, but I love it even better when it's shorter, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, now, so a couple interesting things here. So, um, in my opinion, the match that I thought was going to perform the lowest, just based off of people viewing it and, you know, its accessibility... I really thought Narita and Yagi from Lionsgate Project 10 last year would be the lowest performer. And it was not. It actually got nine first place votes, which means three of y'all probably listening to this show were told, hey, go check this match out. And you fell in love. And you fell in love with this match because that match has a such a such a spot in my heart. But our lowest performing match in Strong Style Fight of the Year, which I'm blown away by this. Michael Elgin versus Hiroki Goto from Road to Kuzina Road. Yeah, dude, that's crazy to think. It just goes to show you. Uh, it got eleven total points. Access. Yeah. yeah. Well, not not no. no, not access. Platform stage. No, no. it's it's, it's Elgin. Michael Elgin, it's dude. Elgin, bro. Elgin. Yeah, dude. Elgin. That whole that whole controversy that happened last year that really had a hit on. Soured on. Yeah, dude. The other third lowest performing match is. Tomohiro Ishii versus Michael Elgin from that the New match Japan was Cup. Great, I yeah, that as my second place match. That match was Bro, crazy. I had that as a five star match when it happened. Yeah, it got sixty four points total, which means more people did vote for it. But I mean, I mean, that's one of the craziest matches I've ever seen in my life. The whole point of this was like the fight of the year. I thought it was going to do very well. 
People hate Michael Elgin. Bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, pretty much, that's, that's, that's going to be a reoccurring theme in these awards. Like any category that Elgin is, you know, eligible in, he, you know, it's bombed. It's bro, horrible. Bro, these awards are eye opening for me because sometimes we, you hear these loud subsects on the, you know, on Twitter and on the internet who have these loud voiced opinions, and you think like, oh, this is the way it is, or whatever. But then, like, when you put out the numbers and, and you get, like, the feedback, the feedback mm-hmm. this is eye-opening. I'm like, oh, my God. People hate Michael Elgin. Like, this man has – he's got real heat. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but this match, man, Abushi and Ishii, I believe I voted number one for that as well. I got to tell you guys, I don't remember everything I voted for at this point. I didn't feel like it was – I mean, I felt like we – our job was to come up with these nominees – and then you guys decide. It's your these are your awards, um, and I didn't feel like it was important for me to come out here and like put, my, put myself over and be like, "Nah, y'all wrong." Here's what we did. But um, I agree. I think that Abushi and Ishii was one of, if not the most violent match that I saw this entire year. Dude, this match was crazy, man. Just all the strikes and the the, the chops, the kicks, the knees. The elbows, the forearms, like... The headbutts. This was a fight. This was a fight. It was a fight. It was a fight. And it was so reminiscent of the big fight, like, house style of New Japan in the early 2000s with, like, Sasuke, or, like, Kensuke Sasuke and, like, all these different guys, like, um, Chono and Mudo and Hashimoto. You know, they weren't having... 30 or 40 or, or, you know, minute matches. They were having... Trying to end you. They were right. having 16-minute matches where guys were coming out there and they're, they're it's a hospital. They're going to blow each other out. You know, if you wanted to see those classics, you would go... You'd watch All Japan. You'd go watch it in the Budokan or whatever. But this was such a throwback. But not just a throwback with a twist because now it's turned up to 11. The violence is higher. The athleticism is the, insane. I, now, I want to also point out, I'm... Kind of surprised, but not surprised at the same time that Omega Ishii did as well as it did. Dude, the, well, that match was also very violent. I mean, Omega uh, busted open from the mouth, bleeding from the mouth. Uh, I mean, that match was very violent as well. Now, I'm not detracting from the match, so don't get me wrong, because mm-hmm. obviously I think it's a match of the year contender, uh, and we'll see how it does in, in the you know match of the year awards. I'm sure many people have it as that. But when I thought of this particular, you know... Um, category strong style fight of the year omega is never a guy that i think of as someone who has fights you know what i mean Mm -hmm. even in the violent matches he's in i usually don't consider him that way um but then when you really think about it there's no there's no denying that this match was insane i mean he he didn't have a choice he had he had to fight ishii uh i think rich has said it best that this was like his real man match yes (laughs) yes like back in like 90s like basically every man inventor or people that Wanted to become main eventers, you eventually had to go through Mick Foley <laughs> at some point. Shawn Michaels had to wrestle him. Uh, Randy Orton had to wrestle him. Edge, Triple H, Triple H, H The Undertaker, The, the Rock. Rock, and he had Lord Austin as well. As soon as he won the belt, it's like you have to pass the Mick Foley test. <laughs> like that, that's literally what you got to do. And, like you a man or not? Nah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And um, yes, that's funny. But like Ishii is like that litmus test in New Japan. Like, are you? Are, are, yes, yes. And you can see that like Ishii is the reoccurring theme in the top voted matches here. He's in all of them. Yeah. He's in the Omega match, the Ibushi match, the Ishii match, the Goto match. Dude, 
Uh, Ishii was in all three of the top three voted matches. The match yeah. with Susuke. Uh, he was going to win either way. Yeah, so Ishii would, like, had this thing locked up and wrapped up. But Abushi and Ishii, like, Dave Meltzer gave that four and three quarters. Because it was, it was too, too violent. Yeah. He thought it was too violent. Like, So he didn't want to give it five. But yeah. it was a five. Don't get it fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of, like, in high school and wrestling when the referee would call, like, unnecessary violence and like I got called out one time I was like dude I'm trying to win the match like I'm trying to kill this dude like that's kind of like what I was here like Dave was like yeah unnecessary violence like so if if you are a listener and you haven't seen Ibushi Ishii you probably have because you're listening to this podcast means you're a diehard but if you haven't seen it for whatever reason go out of your way uh Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii the the biggest like argument that you can make from this year's G1 was who had the best G1 run? Was it Kota Ibushi or Tomohiro Ishii? And you could have that argument and debate all day, all day till the crows come to roost or whatever they say. <laughs> I think the it's till the, cow, the cows till the home. cows come home, the crows roost, the eggs <laughs> get laid, whatever. Um, because these two guys had two of the all-time greatest G1 runs in one of the greatest blocks in the history of the G1. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> in the same block. <laughs> and oh and it's gosh. because of this match and matches like this where that happened. So congratulations, Tomohiro Ishii, Kotobushi. You, are the, you have won the Strong Style Fight of the Year. Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. This is, this is your this the, is your The Josh Smith Award. The Josh Smith Award, yeah. <laughs> so um, the next... Uh, let me see here. <laughs> the next category is the uh, Young Boy of the Year. Um, the nominees, Katsuya Kitamura, Ren Narita, Tomoyuki Oka, Yoda Suji, Shota Umino, and Yuya Yumura. Coming in at third place, very surprised by this actually, but in third place with 254 points, Katsuya Big K Kitamura. Wow. Mm. Man, we haven't seen him like since <laughs> the beginning of the year. <laughs> but this man left an impression because he's still got a lot of the votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in at second place with 350 points, Ren Narita. And your winner with a vast majority of the votes, 662 points. I mean, he blew this thing out of the water. Red Shoes Jr., Shota Umino. Yeah, and you know, I think the the thing here with the voting is with the young boy of the year, like, I think that it was kind of based off who they were pushing throughout the year. Yeah. So, Shota Umino has been probably the most consist- consistently pushed young boy this year. They call him the ace of the young boys. He's usually featured in majority of the opening matches if it's only, like, a one young boy that's going to be on the card. Um, and so, that's who the fans are familiar with. And, you know, Kevin Kelly and Don Kaos and Rocky Romero are telling you this guy is the leader of the class. And so that, that sits in the back of your head. And so that definitely, I think, had an effect on the voting here. Do you want to see a really interesting statistic? Hmm. Ren Narita only got 84 first place points, while Kitamura got 144 first place points. Yeah. Even though Ren Narita ended up beating him, he ended up with 204 second place votes, which pushed him up, you know, an extra 100 points. How did you more do? You more he overall, he got 141 points. And Suji was just barely above him with 170. Um, I mean, so what I think happened here is that Umino obviously ran away with most of the first place votes. And I think most of the educated voters 
voted Narita as the second place behind Umino because they're the t- they're the two longest tenured you know young lions still mm-hmm. active. You know we we've been you know batting for Narita all year on this show. I love so Narita. if you're a fan of this show and you've been listening to us, you probably have gone out of your way to check out um, Narita matches and you know Yagi and Narita. From a Lionsgate project and just see how good this guy is. It is interesting though. Keita Moore's <clears> been <throat> gone since like February. He was only you know eligible for these awards from like November to February, but he did have all those excru- that uh, that seven the, match the challenge, trial, yeah, the trial matches, and he won the um, the Young Lion Cup at the end of the year last year. That's what kind of what put him in. We almost left him off the ballot because we didn't know if he'd been in the company long enough, and he still got 144 first place points. So, but with Shota Umino. I'm very glad he won this because this would not be a serious award or an actual like authentic, genuine uh, award if he didn't win it. Like there could be nobody else. It was by and large it had to be Shota Umino. Mm-hmm. He's been um, he he's the guy that has the the best fire ups when it comes to the multi man matches. He's the guy that gets teamed up with most of the uh, the, the New Japan dads, New Japan dads, and the veterans mm-hmm. on the Young Lions cups. You know. For a long time, it was always Nagata headlining those those uh, Lions Break project uh, shows, that, or what what are they called? Yeah, Lions, Lions Break, yeah, or Lions Gate. Lions Gate shows. Lately, Shota Umino is headlining them. He's the first. He's the first young line who's actually headlining those shows over Yuji Nagata. Uh, he he had the, the the fantastic match just recently with um, Daisuke. Well, yeah, he had the the awesome match with Sakamoto, but he just recently had that match uh, with. Um, Oh my god, from LIJ. Oh, Shingo. Yeah, him and Shingo. And he's been nothing but phenomenal all year long. Like, Shota Umino is the most push guy, and there's a good reason for it. Like, he had to win the Young Line of the Year. Like, there was no doubt about it that this was his year. In the words of Mark Henry, this boy gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited. So, congratulations to Shota Umino, 662 points. So our next category is the Fighting Spirit Award. Oh, that's a good one. So coming in third place with 364 points, Tanahashi's G1 Run. Wow. Awesome. Coming in second place with 379 points, Okada's IWGP title run. And your winner... Of the Fighting Spirit Award with 534 points, Hiromu Takahashi breaking his neck and finishing the match wins the Fighting Spirit Award. That's my exact ballot. Yeah. Uh, three, two, one. When it comes to this, there are times where I say things and I'm right. There's times where I say things and I'm wrong. Most of the time, I'm, I'm never one to shy away from taking a victory lap <laughs> Okay, when it comes to saying something accurately, but I wish... I wish I had been wrong about my assessment the night that we watched Hiromu wrestle Dragon Lee in the Cow Palace because I don't, you guys were there. I don't know if you remember, but when he fell on his neck, I was like, oh, he broke his neck. Mm-hmm. I was like, he broke his neck and there's something wrong. And me and Rich were like, he's fine. He's he, fine. He, he got up, he finished the match. He got up, he finished the match. And I was yeah. like, no, I was like, there's something wrong. I could tell when he went to go do the time or uh, the time bomb, yeah. What's the other movie he has before the time bomb? Oh, um, it looks just like the time bomb. Yeah, I forget what it's called now. Uh, when he did that, dynamite plunger. Yeah, he went to go do the dynamite plunger, and um, it just didn't. The way he threw him, it was like he couldn't do it, and it just looked wrong. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, no, there's something wrong. And I was like, dude, he broke his neck. 
and he did. And I, I don't relish like, I remember watching that and just being so in disbelief, like, like, no, like this really just happened. It was like Austin and Owen Hart all yeah, over the, again. Yeah, driver, yeah. Um, you know, accidents happen. It was an unfortunate accident. It's a, it's, it, that Phoenix, um, Phoenix Plex, that Phoenix Plex. We've seen um, Dragon Lee hit it on him numerous times in the past. Yeah, Dragon Lee hits that move on everybody. Yeah. But, but you know, condensation, sweat, he just slipped, his hands let loose. Also, he had wrestled uh, like four matches the day before, like fatigue. Right, kind of yeah. Played, yeah. Played a factor in that. Yeah. Um, it was really sad to see Takahashi get sidelined from, from that. And if that's not fighting spirit, like, I don't know what is. Right. Um, you know. And I think you know the the other nominees on here like Okada's IWGP title run, like the stuff he went through, like as a champion, going through every unique challenger, taking their best shot, being a main event guy, putting your heart out there. Yeah, I I, I think that it was incredible. It's mm-hmm. interesting that this year, because we did we did a, uh, the Fine Spirit Award last year, and it seemed like the real life stories tended to trump the kayfabe accomplishments and stories. Whereas this year, obviously Hiromu breaking his neck one, but um, we, the other two, we see Okada's run and Tanahashi's G one run beating like Hanma returning, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And it's kind of interesting, but your Okada literally had the single greatest main event title run in modern history, mm-hmm. um, and that just goes to show you, like I, I almost felt like people were gonna forget about it because it ended in you know June, right? Yeah. But apparently, it's still embedded deep in the minds of of you know the listeners and the voters because he got 210 first place points, which is great. Um, Tanahashi's G1 run. I mean, if you guys haven't heard uh, Rich's, rant, <laughs> you know, yes, dude, check that out. Togi Makabe is Togi, Togi not today. today. <laughs> but um, yeah, Hiromu, we we I want I want Hiromu to come back um, so badly, <laughs> so badly. I I I, I really um, it's unfortunate to see that, but to see someone literally get dropped on their neck and have you know a spine injury or neck injury. And still have like the intestinal fortitude to get up, finish the match, hit your moves, hit right. his moves, and like, win. Yeah, retain the title for a broken freaking neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. It's just incredible. Um, so it, I almost feel bad being like, you won the Fighting Spirit Award for what happened, but at the same time, like, how can you not recognize what this guy did? Right. I- incredible stuff. All right. So congratulations. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi, hope that you, you know, get better soon and hope that we can see you in the ring. Get better, Hiromu. So the next category is the Newcomer of the Year Award. Our nominees are Jeff Cobb, Hikaleo, Taiji Ishimori, Shingo Takagi, Chucky e. T, and Ayato Yoshida. Coming in at third place with 286 points, Jeff Cobb with 494 points. Shingo Takagi in second place, and your winner with one of the largest margins of any voting category with 722 points. Man. Taiji Ishimori, the Bone Soldier. Yeah, man. Chalk. Chalk for my <laughs> ballot. That was the same order I had it. Um, Ishimori like came in like guns blazing on fire. Remember when he first comes in, the first match that he has with Will Ospreay, who up to this point is the unquestioned wrestler of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> beats him, goes through, has that entire great run in the best Super Juniors. 
classic final against Takahashi. A lot of people thought he was a favorite. And from there, he was just electric. He won the the never six-man belts later in the year. Um, And he looks like he's, you know, a dude that's going to be here for a while. Right. He's going to be, you know, getting a junior title shot against Kushida at the Tokyo Dome um, January 4th, coming up next year in a couple uh, weeks. And, you know, the company's got really behind Taiji Ishimori, man. We saw all those Bone Soldier videos, and we were just like, what? What? No. This could be anything. Right. Like, what are they doing? But it, you know, turned out to be Taiji, man. This guy's just electric. That sliding German suplex he does. So innovative. Love it. Uh, and yeah, he was a great addition. He was kind of an injection that the Bullet Club OGs definitely needed on their faction. They needed, needed another, a, a really top flight wrestler. That the junior division needed. Yeah. Yeah, the junior division definitely needed something different and something new. And Taiji fit that. And his style is so different. And he's just so dynamic. And it's like... Sometimes it's like hard to believe he's a heel just because a he's a lot smaller than everybody and his moveset is just so great that you want to cheer this guy when he's you know doing the sliding German, doing all these flips and doing all these moves. The, the thing is, is he has incredible facials. At no point does the look on this guy's face scream, "I love him." He's a baby face. You know, he doesn't come off like heel Seth Rollins doing all these incredible like flips and stuff where you want to get behind him like he he's a despicable heel you know who he reminds me of if I know that you've never seen Bloodsport still to this day <laughs> but uh Bolo Young in in Bloodsport as the the main heel Ishimori looks like him like he's got this this sadistic looking smirk on his face the whole time so he can be out there doing a phoenix splash but when he comes up and he's just got this that, that's, that evil face, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> like you don't, you can't cheer him. And like the, when he first broke in, the crowd wanted to get behind him, and he was like, bump that, I'm gonna put a stop to it. He's like, I ain't shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he and he's able to get heat on himself without having to sacrifice his athleticism, without having to sacrifice his match quality. Mm. He's yes. able to go out there and entertain you and dazzle you and make you hate him all at the same time the crowds are booing this man yeah dude that the attack on Kushida where he you know oh, was, was awesome when he was faking the injury with the, the crutch and then all of a sudden popped up bow hit that man with the crutch my, my only thing is Maybe. I would like to see more Ishimori this year because oh yeah we, we, we have seen him um, in spurts in spurts this year uh before we move on I want to say Shingo Takagi only debuted what in August was it August? September. September. Yeah, September. Yeah. Uh, his eligibility to be voted on September October was three months out of the entire voting period, and he easily came in second place. Like he had a great impact on business, and he he's yeah. The, bro. The junior tour was like largely built around his introduction. I'm I'm just saying like, if he had come in a little bit earlier, we he, might we might be talking about Shingo and not Taiji Ishimori. Mm-hmm. Um. Taking nothing away from Taiji, but yeah, Shingo has only been here for a short period of time and already, you know, made a huge impact on business and a huge impact in these awards. So that's one thing that that's you know noteworthy. Um, but yeah, Shingo, I'm sorry, uh, Taiji, just incredible, incredible stuff. I look forward to seeing all these guys again next year. And I'm every year I always wonder with this newcomer, like because. New Japan doesn't always bring in a lot of people, so I'm always like, who, when they do, it's like very judicious, and I'm like, who are they going to bring in next, right. you know? Jeff Cobb was third. Um, he was in and out. He did the uh, tag tour. 
Yeah, he was in the World Tag League with uh, Michael Elgin. I almost didn't even include him because he's not truly signed to the company yet, but... You know, he's been involved in so many big matches and so many big tours that you kind of have to treat him like a freelancer at this point and just say, yes, he is technically on the roster, even if he's not signed. Um, I'm surprised, though. It seemed like Jeff Cobb... I bet you if we'd put Jeff Cobb on this Newcomer of the Year award last year, he would have done better. It seems like people have cooled down a bit on him um, versus when he first came in just one year ago. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to push him... Uh, in 2019, it feels like they are getting ready for big things with him, given the type of run he had in the um, the, World the World Tag League. And considering, you know, they're partnering with Ring of Honor, he's the TV champ right now, and he's been just, like, crushing dudes left and right in Ring of Honor also. Yeah, I think... Look at that increased protection. Yeah. I think I think that we're going to see big things from, from Jeff Cobb next year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on, like, Most Improved, even. Yeah. Potentially. So, speaking of Most Improved, that is our next category. Our nominees, Cody, Toa Hanare, Chase Owens, Hangman Page, Zack Sabre Jr., Show, Shoto Imino, and Switchblade, Jay White. Coming in third place with 226 votes, Zack Sabre Jr. Points. Um... I said votes. Yeah. Oh, my bad. 226 <laughs> points. Um, then coming in second with 522 points, Hangman Adam Page. Wow. And your winner with 527 points, five points ahead of Hangman Page, your most improved for 2018, Switchblade J. White. Rich. You want to start us off? <laughs> I disagree. Wholeheartedly. And, and maybe it's just a function of how the award works. Because when I see most improved, it's like, what did he improve from? Like, he was a young boy before. There, There's, like, no real, like, this is his first year. He's more like a rookie rather than looking back on something. While, like, Hangman Page, he was just a guy mm-hmm. before. Jag. Uh, literally a jag. Well, I'd like to say this. I think with Jay White... Uh, because I've given some thoughts to this because we've been tracking this and uh, it did seem like he was going to win this. And I, I was like, well, what did I had the same question? What did he approve in? I think that it's not strictly or the perception when people vote. I don't think it's strictly like how much did he improve from 2017 to 2018? Mm-hmm. I think it could also be seen as starting at the beginning of the year of 2018 to the end of the voting period the progression that they made within the company during that voting uh, time frame. And if you look at it that way, there is no denying that Jay White has vastly, vastly improved from the Tokyo Dome last year Mm -hmm. to the Tokyo Dome today. Totally different guy. Character-wise, mic skills, in-ring I mean, I would say he's definitely more confident performer. Oh, it's like it's night and day. He's so much more confident. It... It was like a, a guy cosplaying last year yeah. who was just a talented you know, hand who was just this weird character. Now it's like he's a fully formed and fleshed out guy. He's, And not only when we talk about improvement, it's not just like in-ring wise placement in the company. That was the argument we had with Zack Sabre. And Jay White is arguably poised to be like a top four guy in the company going into 2019. Mm-hmm. So... I do see why there would... I voted for Hangman Page myself as well. I think all three of us did, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not surprised, I but... I want Hangman Saber Cody, actually. 
Oh wow, you voted uh, for Cody. It was either Cody or Jay White, so I think we settled that debate on who who I um who you like better. Yeah, but uh, but here's the thing with with um with Jay is like he started as a young lion, like you said, just you know previously, and now he's poised to be he's the leader of the Bullet Club. Right. <laughs> he's 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 getting he has ready. a match with Okada at the dome. He's about to be the top gaijin in the entire company. If Kenny Omega leaves, so it's really hard to vote against him or to deny his impact or improvement within the company. I think that this is actually a slam dunk. Yeah, and uh, one thing I'm, I found interesting in this voting, you know, we had a lot of people um, question us for putting Zack Saber on here. They were like, a lot of people. They were like, why? Why is Saber our most improved? You know, he's like indie superstar. This guy's like, why would he be a most improved? Yet he got a hundred and two points in first place votes. Yeah. Um, a lot. And 92 points in second place votes. So clearly there are people who are thinking like us that, hey, Sabre in New Japan has improved as far as... His standing. Standing, like kayfabe-wise. You know, he had the big push with Takamichi Noku, Zack Sabre time, the New Japan Cup run. Um, he was elevated um, position-wise in the company from last year. One interesting thing. So a few days ago, we started to track where everybody was and... At the time, Jay White had more first place votes than Hangman Page. And so Jeremy was like, Jay White's basically running away with this. I was like, I don't know, man. Let's do the math here. And we did the math. And the difference was that Hangman Page, even though he was being beat by first place votes, he was killing Jay White in second place votes. And when we actually ended up doing the math, he was, uh, Hangman Page was actually ahead by 10 points given the scoring system, even though he was losing the first place votes. Which I was like, wow, like, Paige is about to run away with this. Yeah, those second and third place votes count. And, and then, but we really wanted to get more engagement to get a better base for our votes here. <coughs> and so when we made that push in the 11th hour, I was afraid because I did, I'm a Hangman Page fan and I did want to see him win. So I, I knew there was a very good likelihood that he'd end up losing. But, I mean, he literally lost by five points. That's Dude. two two votes. If, yeah. if, if two first place votes had come in for him... We'd be talking about Hangman Page being the most improved, and he de- he also, in my opinion, equally deserves the distinction. Yeah, that's like that's like almost like a tie, like, <laughs> but yeah. it's not. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there can only be one, but man, I mean, Hangman Page had an incredible, incredible year as well. Um, his G One run, just getting over with the crowds and everything like that. But man, our most improved, like Jay White. You guys have any final thoughts on the, on the Jay White thing? No, I mean, congrats to Jay White. Um, I'm really hoping that uh, come Wrestle Kingdom that him and Okada kind of knock it out the park, and I hope that he has, you know, an above four-star match for Okada. I, I hope he does so I don't have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, so um, our next award, Faction of the Year. So the, the factions that were nominated, Chaos, the Bullet Club Elite, the Bullet Club OGs, LIJ, Taguchi Japan, and Suzuki Goon coming in um, at third place with 264 votes. The Bullet Club OGs coming in at second place with 397 votes. The Bullet Club Elite. And your winner with 617 points. Los Ingonables de Japón, LIJ, your faction of the year. Rich, you're making some faces here. People voted for the Bullet Club OGs? Dude, there are a lot of people that like Tamatonga 
They, they like them intentionally ruining the G1. You know what? I feel like if we had done this vote three months ago, there's no way they'd get this many votes. But since the Jay White the took Jay over, take over, and the way that they've been portrayed on television, it's like they kind of whitewashed some like that G one run. Right, they got a lot more goodwill with people. And they you know crushed the Mega Aces, they crushed the Dream Team. I think it's I think it's a case of of recent, you know, like what's the most recent? Uh, like perception what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? And now I gotta tell you, I'm surprised. In my opinion, I was really thinking Suzuki Goon would do well this year um, I don't know why I just had that feeling they did end up with 251 points they weren't that far behind the OGs but I mean they got beat by the OGs and I kind of questioned that a little bit mm-hmm. um, but for, for me this is the elite this should have been the elite all day championships all of them winning like on every level you got Omega you got Cody you got the Bucks and you got Marty mm-hmm. in the beginning I, I don't know what's better than that, personally. <laughs> Again, I think it's, it's that what have you done for me lately syndrome and with the whole elite contract negotiation and the elite leaving. There's a lot of people that have a sour taste in their mouth when they think about the elite and Kenny and the Bucks. They're going to they gonna have to uh, get over that because like, these dudes were responsible for business and not one, but two companies I, I gotta on t- top. I got to tell you, Rich, I disagree. Uh, I voted for LIJ myself, and I assumed when we did this that this was this is one of the awards where I didn't have to guess at all I knew that LIJ was going to win now I can understand why some people would probably say maybe not so because Naito you know and you know the the fact that he didn't win the Tokyo Dome and he's kind of had a down year from a booking standpoint but when you look at a faction that really is moving business in in Japan the the elite's not doing it like LIJ is they're just not um LIJ is a huge reason why these house shows are up. They're a huge reason. I mean, they are the top merch sellers over there. It tells you a really, really big thing. They are getting the loudest pops beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is not me diminishing the elites, um, you know, what they bring to the table and what they're doing in Japan because none of that can be argued against. It's real. Mm -hmm. But in Japan, it's LIJ all day. They are the most popular faction there. Look at the fan votes. Look at the MVP voting. And it, it is a testament because as Naito's had a down year, Sonata has risen in the company. Evil, Evil has risen in the company. They brought in Shingo. They brought in Shingo. Hiromu was, was in the middle of a breakout year before he had his injury. Mm-hmm. And then um, even Bushi, which you see Bushi masks all over the place. These guys are like superstars in Japan. Um, maybe not here in America, but in New Japan, like there's no denying. And they're a faction that is so cohesive and so team oriented you don't see the infighting like that the elite and the ogs and all these different uh, and chaos like all these different groups had were like splintering and lij was like gelling and coming together all year long and i mean when you talk about championships lij had uh you know the the iwgp uh tag team titles they won the... Um, Naito had the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Um, Hiromu and uh, Bushi. Did they win the junior tags? They didn't no. win the junior tags, but he won the best of the Super, Super. Juniors. He won the junior tag titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you mean the singles title? The junior... Oh, yeah, yeah. He won the junior um, heavyweight title. And then um, Suzuki Goon went... Or I'm sorry. Um, LIJ, Evil and Sonata went on back-to-back World Tag League wins. Yeah. So... I just couldn't see it being any other way here. I think the thing is with the elite, if they had been there more, then they would have won. 
But after, like, the half year, they were, like, kind of just MIA. Right. Like, after, like, G1 Special in San Francisco, like, they kind of were, like, out of the picture. Yeah. And it's not a knock on them, but, I mean, it's hard to win this because, again, what have you done for me lately? They've been gone. You know? It's good because they they won this – Bullet Club won this award last year. Easily. Easily. Um, And they were all over New Japan last year. So it just kind of shows you, like – I think this still shows you that there's a lot of Bullet Club fans who are still out there. Um, a lot of elite fans. I mean, obviously, and we'll see what happens with the AEW. But I mean, at this point, there's—I don't think there's any way they could have overcome what Lij did this year. Yeah. So that brings us to our next award: the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year. Our nominees: Cody, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Zack Saber Jr., and Jay White. Coming in third place with 342 points. Switchblade Jay White coming in second place with 373 points, Zach Saber Jr. And then coming in first place with 610 points, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. For the second year in a row. We got to rename this award. The, the Kenny, Kenny Omega, Omega Gajin of, of the Year. year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, any surprises here? Um, no. I, I was a little surprised. Honestly, I was surprised that Jericho didn't do better than he did. I was very surprised by that because I think I voted Jericho as my number one, to be honest with you. I voted him number two. Um, yeah, he was my number. I think he was my number two also. Uh, also, I'm surprised uh, Will Ospreay didn't place either. I was very surprised by that as well. Um, we, well. I think when you look at the spirit of the award, is he more than a high flyer? Like, did he get pushed like uh, like a foreign outsider, essentially? And the way the, the award was, like, framed, essentially, like, the spirit of that award, I don't think Ospreay fits. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's, like, a few archetypes. I just heard Dave Meltzer saying this recently on Observer, and he was like, you know, you have, like, your monster Gaijin, mm. who, who like, Stan Hansen's sort of the archetype for that. Big Van Vader's in that same, like, mold. And then when it comes to, the like, the juniors, you kind of have Dynamite Kid as, like, your foreign ace junior sort of archetype. And I do think Will Ospreay and even, say, Kenny Omega are more in that vein. Mm-hmm. They kind of fit that uh, that archetype. Um and then I would say there's like a third. It's like the crazy foreign heel, which is like Jericho, kind of like Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And I really thought Jericho was going to do better just because I thought that he fit the spirit of the award. But I also assumed Kenny Omega was going to win this. But I didn't think it would be like this. I thought it would be a much closer race. And I mean, yeah. he blew this thing out of the water. And, you know, you got to look at some of the stuff that Kenny has, has been doing this year. I mean, he put on his own show here in Daytona Beach, the CEO across New Japan. He's been doing a lot of video game stuff with, like, the New Day and just himself in competitions. Um, you know, he was a big star on the Jericho Cruise. He did a lot of excursion stuff, you know, all in the match with uh, Phoenix this guy has just been all over the place. The Ring of Honor match with Cody, where they broke, oh, yeah. they, they Super broke the attendance of Honor. record for Ring of Honor. He's just drawing everywhere. Like he, He's a massive draw. He also, with the foreign excursion into America, I think he's headlined all of those shows, right? Yeah. He wrestled the, the Golden Elite, or sorry, the, uh, the, the, the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks. And then he wrestled Cody. 
And then the last show that the they Okada did, and Ishii yeah, the, tag match. Yeah, yeah, the Okada Ishii tag match. So, I mean, Kenny's been in the main event of all these U.S. shows as well. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, he is the only Gaijin who's ever won the G1, even though he didn't do that this year. I mean, that still kind of sticks with him. That's a distinction he carries. He is one of only a handful of Gaijin to ever win the IWGP championship ever. Um, and he's going to main event his second Tokyo Dome as a Gaijin. There yeah. is no Gaijin um, in history that has headlined a January 4th Tokyo Dome two times, much less two times in a row. Um, you know, this company just doesn't really do that. They're, I mean, Vader never did that. You know, Flair <laughs> never did that. Um, you know, any 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 top like Sting, Brody, who Lesnar, Hogan, yeah. Hogan. Yeah, none of them. None of them have ever done that. So I mean, um, Kenny, and he's he's for like better or for worse. Some people will argue it's for worse. He's forcing the conversation with New Japan to like change in his in his image. Right, and he's you know he's like the face of the Western expansion. I mean, he's like the top either, draw either for get, the Western yeah, look, fans. Either get down or lay down, right? Because <laughs> he ain't going nowhere unless he leaves. <laughs> not only that, but like when you compare the accomplishments, I mean, Zack Sabre had a great year, Jay White had a great year, but when you look at Kenny Kenny Omega's like G1 and his match output, and we'll talk more about that probably later in the awards as well, but I mean, it's hard to argue against his popularity, the merchandise that he sells. And, it exists. Yeah, his popularity is very, very evident by these awards, by other awards. You know, like he—he's a big deal. <laughs> Kenny's <Yeah>. a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to take more than you know. I think. I think it's what take more to knock him off that award. What you were saying just a moment ago about him changing New Japan into his image—we're talking about these like archetypes, but in actuality, there's never been anyone in Japan who's ever been like Kenny Omega, like. The closest thing is maybe like a Terry Funk, but this is a guy who moved from Winnipeg and lives in Japan. You know, speaks the language. Speaks the language. Like he is viewed by many people over there as, you know, part of their culture, part of their people. He understands things like that come from the Japanese culture and and in a way that most foreign wrestlers don't. And he is putting himself into a stratosphere when it comes to Purrezu. Where like, you you'll we'll be talking about the Kenny Omega archetype. There'll be guys fifteen years from now, twenty years from now, trying who, to move to Japan, who are trying <laughs> to right. be like up. Kenny. Yeah, he's very special. He's very very special. Uh, and you're you're right. We might have to change these awards <laughs> to the uh, the Kenny Omega awards. I think it's also funny that like we call it the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year award. Didn't him and like. Vader at some point have like Twitter beef at some point. No, that was Vader, Kenny, and, Osprey. Vader and Osprey. I know him and Osprey. Vader did. actually was very beneficial in getting Kenny Omega's career started. <gasps> That's right. I yeah. forgot about with that. With helping him uh, get like a visa, I believe. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So they, that, that was a like cool little tidbit I, I want I found out a while ago. Man, yeah, I really like this award. I was surprised. Uh, before we move on, let's. I, I want to talk about this. Cody doing the worst. And, you know, I think it's one of those things, you know, Cody was just not that not in New Japan that much this year. And if he wasn't wrestling Kenny Omega, what else does he really have? I mean, the Kota Ibushi matches. That was that's a all, long time ago. Those are kind of tied to the Kenny thing. The though. Kenny right, thing, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of... It's I was kind of surprised because I thought that he built up more goodwill with people. 
But I mean, he like he got, wasn't he wasn't a G one. He got blown out. Right. It's to the point where like I almost question our methodology because we almost put in the young bucks to this award and we kind of kicked them out. And I'm kind of wondering like I bet you if we'd kicked Cody out and put and place the young the bucks. bucks in there, no one would have ever batted an eye and the votes would probably be. All I don't, I don't think that would happen in like any walk of anything. Like if you kick Cody out and replace him with the young bucks, it's <laughs> always going to be better. Like, <laughs> I just we, we just we just thought with like everything he'd done as being like a, a a foreigner who comes in for all these different tours, he kind of embodies what this award is about. But right. man, he got blown out of the water. Yeah, I ain't vote for him. <laughs> it was Omega Jericho Saber for me. So let's talk about we're we're getting into the big ones now. The so, big boys. Um, you're keeping it strong style feud of the year. The nominees: Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazushika Okada, Kenny Omega and Cody. The young uh, the Bullet Club Civil War storyline. Um, Suji versus Yumura, Jay White versus uh, Kazushika Okada. And Lij versus Suzuki Goon, your third place winner with 296 points, Kenny Omega and Cody, the Civil War, coming in at second place with 503 points, Jay White versus Kazushika Okada, and your winner with 527 points, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazushika Okada, the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this Tanahashi Okada feud kind of snuck up on us this year. Yeah. It's like, you know, they had the the first match was what, Wrestling Dontaku. Tanahashi, he lost the IC belt, but he still came out to challenge Okada. Like, we all thought this was going to be, you know, the one last hurrah, you know, the last, you know, shine the light. And it was a great, great match. Right, great match. You know, Tanahashi loses. We're like, you know, thank you, Tanahashi. For your contributions to the business, you know we, you know we love you. you Thought know. it was a wrap, right? <laughs> you know, thank you. You know, go take some time off, take the rest of the year off, heal your bicep, heal your knees up. You know, we'll, we'll miss you, but you know you need the rest. Nah. nah, he came back and they wrestled again. They had that match in the G1 climax where um, it was a draw, but Tanahashi beat his ass. He visually won. Like if there was no time limit. Tanahashi would have won that match. Yep. And then they had the rematch. Um, what show was that? Um, New Destruction. Destruction in um, Hiroshima. Yeah. And Tanahashi, he got, he got the win there. And so, yeah, this trilogy just came out of nowhere. And it's crazy to think, you know, these guys have been linked together since Okada's debut in the company. And this has been a rivalry that's been going on for quite some time now. And the fact that they, they were able to rekindle that fire this year out of nowhere and have these epic matches. And now like there's a whole new wrinkle with it, with them teaming together and the Mega Aces coming together. And you you got to think eventually that's going to lead to them having another match potentially in 2019. Um, it's just incredible, the, the storytelling with these guys. If I yeah. can put on my show buckle hat for a moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> my narrator. No, I'm just going to pl- I'm playing. But if I can give a quick summation, very, very quick. Uh, the first match at Dantaku, you essentially have the story of Tanahashi attempting to stop uh, Okada from beating his defense record, going up to 12 defenses. And so you have this old dog who was once the ace of the company trying to prove he is still that ace. And Okada, who is literally at the height of his entire, of one of the greatest title runs ever, 
about to surpass Tanahashi's greatest accomplishment. And given the story pass that they'd had, Tanahashi hadn't beat this guy since Wrestle Kingdom 9 many years ago uh, in, a, in a one-on-one match. And it's like Tanahashi's last stand. And we really did think at the time, like, this was incredible storytelling. But we all knew Tanahashi <clears throat> was not going to be able to beat him. It gets to a point in the match where Tanahashi is doing everything he ever did before. But it's not enough at this point to pull out all the old tricks. The old tricks, he hasn't he hasn't evolved. He hasn't grown. He hasn't changed. And Okada hits him, basically, out of nowhere, hits him with one Rainmaker. That's- over. And that's it, and it's over. Mm-hmm. And you knew it was over. And you knew it was over. He hit him with one. He just Tanahashi's in the middle of doing his his five moves of doom. He's doing everything he always does, and he just gets caught. He just gets caught, and he gets put to sleep. And it was like a boxing match where someone got caught with a big left hand, and they go to sleep. That's it. We kind of thought that was the end of Tanahashi and Okada, but then the G one comes up. This is this is a different phase now. Now you have. Okada broken. You have Okada who's just lost his title, who is not having the greatest G1, and Tanahashi is surging through the G1 the entire time to where they get to the A Block Finals in the Budokan. Or, no, they were at uh, Sumo. Where were they? They were in Budokan. Uh, yeah, they were yeah, at Budokan. Budokan. Mm-hmm. And you've got Tanahashi who has gained confidence, who has who is surging. And at this point, he doesn't even have to beat Okada. He just has to draw with him, and, he's got, and he has a road to the Tokyo Dome. And you have Okada, who's a broken man who has to literally find it in himself to become Finish this man. He has to become what he what he thought he was that was taken away from him from by Kenny Omega. And at the end of the match, they go to the time limit draw, but the visual victory is that Tanahashi was beating this man. Mm-hmm. And if they had more time, there's very few doubts that Tanahashi was going to lose that match. Um, and then when they finally go to the Destruction Tour and Tanahashi is defending his right to challenge Kenny Omega in the Tokyo Dome, it's like Okada has to basically wrestle with the fact that he was going to lose to Tanahashi, a person that he thought he had surpassed, a person that he thought he'd mastered and gotten past. And it's like the Tanahashi, like it's like Tanahashi of old came back and he put this man out, hit him with three high five flows. And I mean, he hadn't beat him since like, 2011? No, like 11? 15. Or the, no, Wrestle Kingdom 9. 9. 2015. Oh, was that 2015? 2015. Yeah. Still, three years, you know, multiple matches, and... The belt, the block, and the briefcase. The belt, mm. the block, and the briefcase. <clears throat> and, yeah, and it's set Tanahashi and Okada on totally separate paths going into the Dome. Okada, for the first time is in, in many, many, many years, is not headlining the Tokyo Dome. Tanahashi, someone we thought his main event run was done, is now headlining against Kenny Omega. They're on track to do one of the largest Tokyo Dome numbers they've done, you know, in recent memory. Um, this was incredible storytelling. This was incredible wrestling. Two guys who've had so many matches before, you would think that they didn't have new stories to tell, but they just keep finding ways to have... Just keep be- extending it. Yeah. yeah. Like- yeah. It's like, it's the feud that will never end, and no one wants it to end. It, like, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, Omega and Jericho got left off of this. That's ridiculous. I was kind of surprised, too. Again, I, th- I think it's one of those things, because it happened at the beginning of the year, and it was only one match, um, I'm sure that kind of had the weight on people's mind on why it didn't get more first-place votes. Or even second and third place votes. It didn't continue after their one match. In fact, they ended up doing a podcast 
and expose the business. And expose the business <laughs> right afterwards. And as believable as it was, I mean, oh, you know, our Jericho spent the majority of this year going after Naito. And we also didn't nominate that because we didn't think it was deserving a few of the, of the year. Um, it did well in the votes, though. I mean, it still had 265 points. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that you're probably blown a little bit by, Rich, is the J.Y. Okada thing. Yeah. On no planet is that better than um, <laughs> Omega and Jericho. A feud that kicked open business in the West, had everything that is circling the access with All In and the big indie boom and everything comes back to the Omega Jericho program, that once-in-a-lifetime type program that you get at a moment in time. You can't just create another one of those as they're finding out this year with Jericho and Naito. This, not only was it a five-star match it, it produced, it showed Jericho another reinvention of himself. It showed Omega was just fine if you took him out of the IWGP Championship picture at the Tokyo Dome. And on top of that, the feud was incredible. The promos from Jericho, we've been talking about that shit all year. Yeah. War style. <laughs> WCW style, style. WWF style. Everything. Like the, he has the, the attack in Fukuoka. Man. Yeah. Like, bust him open with that. Like, this, I, 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 I really, yeah, I, I, I think they, they, they missed this one. Well, I mean, I have to question that for this reason. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but 249 first place votes, 200, I'm sorry, points, 204 second place points, and 53rd place. It's a, it's a pretty large majority, and it literally was only defeated by Tanahashi and Okada by a few votes. Yeah, a few. It was really close Wait, by twenty four points. And you know how I said earlier, like when we do these awards, we can all have our own opinions. But when you take a poll from a large majority, it is eye opening because you can kind of get a feel for what other people think, and it is telling. There's a lot of. I was surprised too. It's not like I wasn't sitting here thinking Jay White and Okada. I I didn't think it was gonna win or get second. I mean, we almost didn't put it on the list, and here's why: it was one match in the G one. They haven't wrestled beyond that. They only just started having multi-man matches. And we we were literally thinking like, well, you know, the, most of the matches that we're talking about here had multiple singles matches aside from Omega Jericho. Omega Jericho we almost left off too for that same reason. Um, so it is eye-opening. Why do you think so many people are behind this JY Okada thing? Because, and I'm just asking, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying, what do you think it is? Uh, I just think it's just... This whole this whole bull club takeover storyline, Gato turning his back on Okada. I think the amount of heat that Jay White's been able to generate off of this rivalry and how he's elevated himself to try and step up to Okada's level, um, I think that's what people are really digging right now. And people people right now they want to see Okada get his revenge on Jay White. And you know you know Jay White did what he said he was going to do at the beginning of the year. He Came in chaos, took it over, um, destroyed chaos, and now he's leader of the Bullet Club. He pretty much, you know, was had was you know led to the broken Okada stuff, and so it's been a long. If you think about it, it's been a story that started at at the beginning of the year when Jay White joined Chaos. I think you're hitting it right on the the hitting the nail right on the head because that's what I was gonna say next. I believe. Well, A, Okada's obviously super over, but Jay White has become a star through this specific storyline. And the support that Jay White has is growing immensely day mm. after day, tour after tour. He's getting very, very popular. With that being said, I think it's the long-term story. Starting from the day after Wrestle Kingdom, 
when they had that press conference and they foreshadowed everything between him and Okada. And then all year, every time Chaos came out, Jay White was coming out on his own. He was manipulating things. He was trying to turn guys against one another. He was calling it his chaos. And so the even though him and Okada haven't had a lot of matches, it's been the tension, the ride. It's been bubbling. It's been bubbling the whole year, and it's been a big storyline. One of the only truly coherent storylines throughout New Japan. Also, they've had three or four big post-match segments, which we don't get a lot of those in New mm-hmm. Japan. And you got, like, a ton of those. So, like, with Omega Jericho, yes, we had a couple that were centered around that, but this has been going on all year. These right. big angles, these big post-match, and they've been getting heat and had interest. I think that, like, if you want my opinion, I think there's more interest in Okada and Jay White in the Dome this year than there is for Jericho and Naito. Or at least that's the vibe I get. Yes, yeah, I'm kind of feeling that vibe also. So I'm, I was surprised. We did almost leave this off the list just based on the fact that they didn't have a lot of matches, but we were like, well, we got to put it on there. Yeah. And it and almost won. And, you know, all the matches they had against the Dream Team in the World Tag League, I mean, the Bull Club beat the Dream Team, like, what, seven times in a row, yeah. so. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Jay White. But uh, let's not forget, I mean, the true winner of this award is Tanahashi and Okada, mm-hmm. something that just snuck up on us but was great. And, I mean, I think the main thing is... This was something where you didn't have to have a lot of post-match angles and have a lot of, you know, bells and whistles. The story's already told. The story was told in the ring, much like Kenny Omega and Okada was last year. That was our feud of the year. So Okada winning this award twice in a row based on in-ring excellence. Yeah. So our next award is the Carl Gotch Strong Style Award. This is my, this, I, I take it back. This is actually my favorite <laughs> award that we do. This is like a Booker T with his Fave 5. He had like a, a different Fave 5 every week. All right. <laughs> um, so our nominees were Hiroki Goto, Toa Hanare, Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki. So coming in third place with 286 points, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. Coming in second place with 379 points, the King, Minoru Suzuki. And your winner of the 2018 Carl Gotch Strong Style Award with 738 points, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. Chalk on my ballot on that one. This guy, Ishii, as we mentioned about his G1 thing, when it comes to hoss matches, when it comes to hard-hitting stuff, it gets no better than Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, if you look at the strong style fight of the year, he was in um, the top four matches that were voted in. So it only makes sense that he was the strong style. He won the strong style award here. And Consistency. He, yes. You, you, you want to talk about consistent? Tomohiro Ishii has been so consistent this year. Every big match that he's had has been a, been a banger. Even his not not big matches. His matches with like guys like Toa Hinare, he was out there having bangers with. And just from the beginning of the year all till now, to the, to the end of the voting period, Tomohiro Ishii has put on you know a superstar performance. You take a look at his uh, G1 climax this year, like oh. literally every match. Like just, it looks like your whoever wrestles him, they have that circled as the day they want to avoid. 
Right. Like, I, after I fight Ishii, I'm never going to be the same for the rest of the G1, no matter what happens. Right. Like, like <laughs> after, after your match with Ishii, you're, you're hoping you have, like, Yano or somebody right. next, like, right. so you can take it easy. I'd be interested to see how many people had Ishii and then had Yano the, the night after. Yeah, we should we should look at that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man. Listeners, if y'all want to do that for us, <laughs> hit us up, drop it in the comments. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, dude, look at his G1 climax. So many of his G1 matches were in the Strong Style Fight of the Year category. I mean, the match of Ibushi, the match of Omega, uh, you know, all those hard hit Dude, his rivalry with um, Zack Sabre Jr. this year, all those matches have been um, hard-hitting, strong-style matches. And then he had a separate feud with Suzuki. Yes. Like, man, this guy's a, a, a war. He's war-ready, as they say. Uh, and, <laughs> and if you want to look at his excursion stuff, his matches with Keith Lee, his matches with Walter, uh, his match with uh, Punishment Martinez and New Orleans this year. Like, this guy's been all over the world, and he's been having bangers no matter what continent he's on, what promotion he's in, what color ropes or rings are. Yes. Like, <laughs> this man's going to go out there and show you why he's a stone pit bull. This man is five foot seven, and he's the biggest man in every ring he's in. Yeah. Like, he, he wrestles so far, like, above his size and above what the expectations for his age are. Um, he, this guy just turned 43 a couple weeks ago, as I touched on before. Um, he's a dude that is so versatile, can brawl, can do athletic stuff, and he's an awesome seller, which actually is the underrated part of him getting this award. Yeah. Is because he knows when to sell for specific guys. Like, he can make Kotobushi look like an animal. He can make Suzuki's uh, shit go off even better against him because everybody knows he brings that uh, ridiculous amount of credibility and toughness to the ring. Yeah, last year he was very narrowly beat out by Katsuyori yeah, Shibata. And this year it seemed like potentially things could be split between him and Minoru Suzuki. But once the G1 came, that's when he just completely, completely took off. And I mean, Tomohiro Ishii is... I mean, when you talk about... It's so hard to kind of verbalize it. He might be the most like underrated, overrated like guy all at the same time because it's like everyone knows that he is one of the top performers in all of the world. In fact, you could probably make an argument he's a top five wrestler when it comes to in-ring work. But then at the same time, his placement in the company, it's like they're just now starting to kind of truly get behind him after years and years and years of hard work. And... It's this grittiness. It's that that strong style that he brings to the ring. And, like, anytime you fight him, like, you're going <laughs> to... You won't feel it. Yeah. You know what's the crazy thing, though? Um, I remember listening to Brian Alvarez talk about this. And he said that he's talked to people who've worked with Ishii. And they're like, it's like an easy night. Yeah, I heard him say that. that like, he doesn't hurt anybody. Like, everything he does looks like it's killing you. And people are like, it's incredible. Like he's so skilled that he looks like he is murdering you, and you're. It's like a pillow. Like you. Like nothing's happening, and it's like what? Like I'm seeing. Like this is not what I what I look what I see when I watch this. When right. I, when right. I see him headbutting people, when I see him chopping guys literally in, in the, the throat, throat. Yeah. When I see him, um, you know, doing everything that he does, these insane lariats and all that, and then to be told like, oh, he's one of the easiest guys to work with. Like it's it's a walk in the park. It just goes to show you how talented and how skilled he is. But the thing with Ishii that um, 
I think is is the biggest part is he makes you feel something. Like you watch his ma- watch an Ishii match and, and tell me you don't get emotional or feel something because the stories that he's telling, these vicious, violent stories that he tells, are so compelling. He's one of the most compelling and interesting you know workers alive today. Um, and as as excellent as the other guys that were in this uh, category were. He's on another level by himself. Yeah. Even from Suzuki. Even from Suzuki, even from Zack Sabre, even from Kota Ibushi, who is a guy who can go into that mode but doesn't stay in that mode. Tomohiro Ishii is... Is that mode. (laughs) Yeah. He he wants to smoke 24-7. So, yeah. I mean, I couldn't see it going for anybody else. All right. So... Congratulations. Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii. The Carl Gotch Strong Style Award winner. So uh, this is another uh, category that I'm very excited about. Our tag team of the year, our candidates: Evil and Sonata of Lij, the Golden Lovers, the Gorillas of Destiny, Kanemaru and El Desperado from Suzuki Goon, Rapongi 3K, and the Young Bucks. Coming in at third place with 306 points, the good Christian boys, the Young Bucks. Coming in at second place with 413 points, LIJ, Evil and Sonata. And your winner with 531 points, the Golden Lovers. Yes, sir. Yes. And, you know, I see a lot of people that, you know, kind of, you know, complaining, you know, how can the Golden Lovers be a tag team of the year candidate? seeing that they only had a handful of tag team matches this year. Real easy. The Golden Lovers don't miss. I really don't think they had just a handful of matches, though. Is the they thing. had lots of matches. They had a lot of right. matches this year. I think people are only remembering the one, like the like few. The, the Young Bucks one, the Ishii and, Ishii Okada. and Okada, and then this past The Osprey and Tanahashi. Like, they're not talking about the ones that happened on the produce show where they wrestled Naito and Hiromu Takahashi. Mm-hmm. I was talking about. Oh, when, yeah, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. we saw that live. Uh, <laughs> WrestleCon, they wrestled the best friends. Yes. Um, they also wrestled Cody and Hangman Page, I think, twice. Uh, they wrestled, I think the first, they wrestled, did they wrestle Cody, Cody and Skrull at, um, Honor Rising? Yeah. And then they wrestled Cody and Hangman. Yeah. And um, everywhere, this was like one of the biggest stories of the year was these guys reuniting their legendary tag team, essentially. And they rolled out of bed and were like, we're not going to do a greatest hits. We're going to. To take everything we used to do and do it better because we're like at the peak of our powers right now. Except I haven't seen them hit a golden shower yet. <laughs> Didn't they hit it one time? No. No? They haven't hit it. They're waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're saving it. Yeah. I just went on cagematch.com and pulled up a quick rundown. And I mean, not all these matches were tele- televised, but over the course of the past calendar year, they've had 21 tag team matches. And the majority of them were main events that we've seen. And they redefined and they showed tag team wrestling was a main event thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this was like when they talk about those great tag team matches in the 90s with like uh, Masawa and uh, Kawada, like this was that for us. Like this was two main event guys, legends in the making that have been a tag team from back in the day showing up, rolling out of bed and was like, all right, we're going to do this this year. In addition to whatever else we got going on. In, in one sense, I would agree with that. I would say the matches are not anywhere near the same sort of I don't want to say quality because obviously these matches are incredible, but I mean those uh, those all Japan matches are like fifty minute epics that like go on and on and on. So it's like a it's hard to it's a different thing. Like, it's a different thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely correct when you talk about like 
a, a Japanese company putting top stars together in the main event and then headlining with it, it draws, you know, it is like the Holy Demon Army, like you're correct. I mean, just taking a look at the calendar year here, you've got um, the Bullet Club Civil War, but then you've got like the matches with the Golden Lovers against Cody and Marty Skrull, uh, the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks, uh, Cody and Hangman against the Golden Lovers. Um, we were actually at the WrestleCon Super Show where they wrestled Chuck Taylor and Flip Gordon. Um, the Golden Lovers against Taka Michinoku and Zack Sabre Jr., which was also televised. Um, let me see here. Golden Lovers versus Hiromu Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito at the CEO show, which we also were there for. Uh, Kenny Omega and Kotobushi against Tomohiro Ishii and Will Ospreay, which is a forgotten Road to Destruction tour right. match. That's right, yeah, yeah. Incredible, incredible match. Um, after that, let me see here. Golden Lovers against uh, Okada and Tomohiro Ishii from Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Um, Dave Meltzer said that was the greatest tag team match he ever seen in his life. I thought it was hyperbole a, a little bit, but it's still... An incredible, you know, tag team main event. Um, Golden Lovers against Dave Finley and Hiroshi Tanahashi was a good match. Um, them against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. I mean, these are all oh, like over four star matches. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the biggest things is you know Ken, I I think Kenny and and Kotobushi, I could be wrong here, but given their placement as main top singles acts, I don't necessarily expect. The Golden Lovers thing to be like a lifetime thing where it goes on for, you know, decades or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not the Young Bucks or like the Road Warriors or anything like that. I think that it's very important to Kenny or or Team 3D or whoever you want to say. Like, they're not a long tenure, you know, yeah. they're not going to be a tag team for a long period of time. I think it's important to Kenny and Kota Ibushi that each match that they have that they create a legacy. And so it's like every time they go out to wrestle, they're trying to create history and so, yes, you can say, yes, they didn't tag as often as many other teams did. But, you know, New Japan's not a tag team-centric uh, organization. Even though they have a lot of multi-mans, they don't have a lot of straight tag team matches. And so, with that being said, how many you know tag teams had 21 tag matches that were televised, you know? Of that yeah. quality. Uh, yeah, that right. quality. It's, I mean, I don't think it's off-base at all that they won this, given the popularity, given the stories that they were involved in, and then... You know that they had the the best tag team matches of almost anybody. Company, I'd seen more of it. That's the yeah. only thing to really criticize about the whole thing. Like I would have loved to seen like a tag title shot or even like a small tag title run. I think that's one thing too. People pr- probably kind of criticize. They're like, yes, they're a tag team, but they're not like in the tag division, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're 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 wrestling other mashups. They're not really. They weren't in the tag league, and they weren't wrestling like your your, your KESs or your Evil and Sonatas or GOD, um, which I was surprised. I thought at some point we would get a GOD Golden Lovers match, mm-hmm. but even with that being said, like they they were incredible this year. I mean, how could how could you not have them towards the top? Exactly. I think I voted Young Bucks though, to be honest with you. Uh, I voted Golden Lovers first and Young Bucks second. Um, Same here. Last year, the Young Bucks won this. I think this is the first year in many publications where the Young Bucks were not considered the top team in New Japan. They came in third in our in our polls. Are you guys surprised by that? Uh, at first, a little bit I was, but then when you once again you look back to after G One Special in San Francisco, the Young Bucks are pretty much gone from New Japan. They didn't wrestle in the World Tag League. And so they just their their impact their footprint was just kind of gone 
the second half of the year. My my here's my thinking behind it. I think pound for pound, no other team had as many great tag team matches as the Young Bucks, including, they did, they including the Gold Lovers. They did it as juniors. They transitioned to heavyweight. Put over God as good as you can. They had two awesome matches with Evil and Sonata, yep. where they essentially were like, "Okay, um, we then, are the Rock and Roll Express right. now." Like <laughs> the uh, the Rapungi three K matches at the beginning of the year that people seem to forget about were yeah. awesome. Yeah, when you look at the G.O.D. matches, the Rapungi 3K matches, the match with the Golden Lovers, and then the Evil and Sonata matches, plus <clears> the <throat> fact that they were the uh, junior tag champs as well as the six-man tag champs as well as the heavyweight tag champs all in the same calendar year when they were never supposed to go to heavyweight, I did find it problematic. I know that like we're not really sitting here trying to criticize the awards because Golden Lovers obviously have so much equity with the fan base. But I just was surprised because last year when the Young Bucks won this award, I did not think they should have won. Yeah, it. you were yeah you were kind of hot about that. It because it was War Machine's year, and I'll, I'll I'm not going to back off on that. Like I thought War Machine was absolutely the tag team of the year, but this year, I do find it hard to say that Golden Lovers had better tag matches all year long, more so than the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. I know the Young Bucks were kind of absent towards the end of the year, but dude, we were literally. Talking about making the Young Bucks a wrestler, of, wrestler the year. of the year nominee based on the quality and the accomplishments they had, and when you look at the, K- I think it's hard when you look at the kayfabe to say the Bucks shouldn't be number one. Um, I don't think that there's any team that has accomplished as much as them in this calendar year at any point. You know, right? Um, let's talk about Yimon Sonata. I mean. Evil and Sonata had a fantastic year. They've they've won won the belts, won World Tag League. Yeah, you know they they're the team that they've been trying to push as like the homegrown Japanese tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know they won the World Tag League. They had that little run at the beginning of the year until um, Evil got injured, um, and then but they brought it back. They were in World Tag League again, won it, and now they're going to be the Tokyo Dome challenging for the titles again. And I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the titles again. They try to redo that push of them being the top Japanese tag team. For me, Evil and Sonata definitely had a case until they lost the belts to the, the Young Bucks. After that, they stopped teaming. You didn't see them team again right. until... They kind of went singles. They went singles. And then finally, at the World Tag League, they brought them back and had them teaming again. It was like they were so much better in this World Tag League than they had ever been prior to and that they, point. And they main-evented... Pretty much every card, um, the houses popped for them big every time they came out. They weren't really that far from Golden Lovers in terms of points here. Yeah. Um, so that just goes to show you, again, the popularity of LIJ and Evil and Sonata. I see big things on the horizon for Evil and Sonata. Um, but I got to tell you, I I really am surprised the Bucks didn't win this. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised. Like It's one of the few that I actually really question hmm. uh, awards. But um, yeah, the Golden Lovers, man, they 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 they're building a legacy, and I'm just curious to see what 2019 holds for them. Shock up another award for Kenny Omega. Omega, <laughs> yep. yeah. Um, so now we're moving to the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. So our nominees were Taiji Ishimori, Kushida, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, Sho, and Hiromu Takahashi. So coming in. Third place with 252 points, the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori. Coming in second place with 
580 points. The Aerial Assassin, Will Ospreay. And your winner of the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year with 634 points, the ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. Shocked. I'm shocked. Like, I literally... It's not It's not shocked in a sense where it's like this is wrong or undeserved because I've, I've analyzed and figured out that this probably is a deserved award. It, it makes sense to me, but I had this gut instinct. With most of our awards, a lot of them, I just have a gut instinct most of the time this is what's probably going to win, and a lot of times it does turn out that way. I had a gut instinct that Will Ospreay was going to run away with this award. That was my general opinion. Evidently not. Yeah, I voted for Osprey. Um, number one, uh, the I feel like up to um, Dominion, like you're looking at the wrestler of the year um, worldwide, worldwide, yeah. and regardless of division, whatever. And he never fell off. He only like kind of just went away because the G1 started, and then he was back after an injury and doing his thing against Taichi of all people. <laughs> and he's transitioning out of uh, junior, but I remember all those Will Osprey title defenses were electric. Yeah. Um, uh, Hiromu definitely had a great run in the best Super Juniors tournament, taking the belt off of Osprey. I think some of it goes, you know, to the injury. Um, you know, people were getting some of the simpy votes, but that's not to take, you know, to diminish him at all. Uh, it's definitely between those two. I think Osprey had a stronger case, but you know, folks said otherwise. Right, and you know the thing, Hiromu did have a fantastic first half of the year. His best of the Super Junior run was phenomenal, but for me, it was like yeah, he got hurt and he was gone the rest of the year. Osprey was still there and still having bangers for the remaining of the year and building on his resume. So for me, that's why I voted for Osprey. But again, I see why people voted for Hiromu. And, you know, you can't discount Hiromu here. My initial reaction to this was that it was a similar case to the tag team um, situation last year. Where the Young Bucks beat out War Machine. And I was like, there's no way they had a better year than War Machine. But because due to the popularity of the Bullet Club and the Elite and the Young Bucks, they got the popularity vote. That's what I thought last year. And I still think that. When I first saw this, I thought, there's no way Will Ospreay got beat by Hiromu Takahashi as great as he is. Then I started really analyzing it, and I realized there's a actually very compelling case that Hiromu was the top junior of the year. Because um, you have to think about a couple things here. One, we are not really putting a lot of emphasis on the things that they've done outside of New Japan. Will Ospreay when you factor in everything he's done outside of New Japan, he's in the top five best wrestlers in the world, period. Wrestler of the year across all companies. You have to have that. If you're not discussing him in that... that uh, you're out of touch. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to the junior matches, I feel like one of the reasons why there's a perception that he was the top junior is what Rich was saying. He was in the co-main event spot in almost all those big early shows. With Hiromu, though... You have to remember that three of those matches that Will Ospreay had that were big title matches, Hiromu was in those matches with him. The four-way at Wrestle Kingdom, the match that they had at New Beginning, 
Or, yeah. or was it New Beginning? Was it New... Yeah, it was. It might have been New Beginning. And then, and then Dominion. And then Dominion. But then, when you look at Hiromu's Best of the Super Juniors run, I think it is an understatement to say, oh, he had a great run, when you have to actually realize he had nothing but above four-star matches with every single person mm-hmm. in the whole tournament. And when you compare that to Will Ospreay's run in Best of Super Juniors, it was nowhere near that. Right, because Ospreay was in that, that A block that was, you know, not as great as the B block. And Hiromi was in there with guys like Kushida, Hiromi, with um, Taiji, and, or not Taiji, um, Marty. Marty, um, Dragon Lee. Show. Yeah. Um, Will Ospreay was headlining all the A shows and having like three and a half to like four star matches with everybody, while Hiromu was having four and a half to five star matches with everybody the whole tour. Yeah. Uh, it was legendary what he did. Um, and he had like three matches that were like match of the junior match of the year contenders the match with Dragon Lee, the match that he had with uh, Kushida. And then the match that he had with Taiji Ishimori. Then you also have to take a look at the accomplishments. The fact that he won the entire Best of the Super Juniors. And then turned around and won the junior title. Mm-hmm. Um, Accomplishment-wise and match quality-wise, if you put up the best Hiromu matches and the best Will Ospreay matches, they're going to be close to equal. I, I think it's really not that far off base to say that Hiromu, plus the fact that he does garner... So much love, so much loyalty. He is like, he was going to be a breakout superstar. He was like literally a guy who was right on the edge of being like a top, top guy in New Japan. With Will Ospreay, you could say like, well, yeah, after, you know, July, Hiromu's gone. But what did Ospreay really accomplish after that? He had one match that was great. It was the match with Marty Skrull. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's not like he was there half the year killing it while Hiromu was injured he doesn't have a body of work after July either really to compare except for the one Marty match which is fantastic I don't think that when you really think put it into those perspectives that it's that far off base I think it makes a lot of sense why Hiromu won this mm-hmm. he, had, he had as many if not more good matches as Will Ospreay had in New Japan yeah I think for us it's, it's sometimes hard because you know we see Ospreay all over the place it's hard to the central in on just New Japan. I think it, it comes down to perception because Will Ospreay was co-main eventing big, big shows, whereas Hiromu's whole run was kind of condensed to the best of the Super Juniors, and that's what you're kind of comparing against. Mm-hmm. Was his whole Super Juniors run better than Will Ospreay's main, co-main event run in the early part of the year? That's kind of what it comes down to. And then I think it really it does come down to popularity, and I think that Hiromu is genuinely more popular, more popular yeah. and loved. I don't think it's even just the sympathy, even though I think that there are people who are given the sympathy vote. Um, I think it's that Hiromu, like, you know, he's over. He's more over than probably Will Ospreay is, honestly. Yeah. So, congratulations to Hiromu Takahashi, our junior of the year, and what some people would call an upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one, and it's a big one. We're getting into the big, big awards. The show of the year Wrestle Kingdom 12, New Beginning in Osaka, Sakura Genesis, Best of the Super Juniors, Night 13, Dominion, G1 Special in San Francisco, G1 Climax, Night 4, Night 14, the G1 Clock, uh, Climax B-Block Finals, and Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Coming in at third place with 171 points, the G1 Climax B-Block Finals. Coming in at second place with 518 points, Wrestle Kingdom 12. 
And the winner for show of the year with 704 points, Dominion. Dude, this year's Dominion was incredible. Dude. I think it's the greatest show I've ever watched. I said that at the time when we watched it. Dude, it was just amazing. I mean, you have the once-in-a-lifetime two-out-of-three fall match, no time limit with... uh, Greatest match ever, like Omega and Okada. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have Osprey and Hiromu, Hiromu. Jericho and Naito. Yeah, you got the Bucks and the um, Lij. Man, dude, you had the six-man tag involving Rey Mysterio Jr. Yes. Right. Oh my. Um, Michael Elgin, Hiroki Goto, and Taichi had a banger in a three-way match for the Never Title. Yeah. Ishii and Yano against Suzuki and Zack Saber in a very fun, entertaining tag team match. Um, this this card was just great across Legendary. the board. S- Suzuki Goon against uh, Rapungi 3K for the junior title to open up the show. I mean, there was nothing but greatness on this. And then when you're at the top of the card and you're looking at the top three matches, Hiromu and Will Ospreay, Jericho Naito, and Kenny Omega and Okada. I mean, what, what's fucking with that? Yeah, Why right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and dude, how, how do you not vote for a show that has a seven-star match yeah, on it? Yeah, seven stars. <laughs> Plus, plus, plus the Bucks and Lij in that when they finally lifted. I mean, that was such a great feel-good moment yeah. when they won the uh, heavyweight, heavyweight titles. titles. Yeah, and then seeing Rey Mysterio Jr. work a big New Japan show in a six-man that was also very, very special. Like, well, he came out with the uh, lion mask. So, yeah, uh, the lion ha- mark mask. Yeah, dude, it was just a very Flames. special night. Uh, we had the Harold uh, May. Yes, uh, the, the pro- video, the promo video. <laughs> yes. He ran, he ran to the ring like a mark. <laughs> but this was this was like a what a four hour show that felt like it was like two hours. Yeah. And one match is over an hour, and it, it is pretty much unquestionably. I mean, the the general consensus. You can disagree with it if you want, but when when you talk about how great something is, you have to get a consensus, and that usually will dictate what the idea is. And the general consensus across most people that watch wrestling is that this is the greatest wrestling match that ever happened thus elevating the show unless you're one of those loons that are on twitter <laughs> like saying that i'm not even going to get into thus, what they said. thus elevating this show to legendary status so i mean i mean wrestle kingdom is generally what you would think of as being like the show of the year but it was outdone by dominion this year yeah yeah i, I don't have a problem at all with that voting like they um and i you know, it's important not to forget how good Russell Kingdom 12 was because they have six quality matches on that show, um, maybe it, even more. It's such a good show, and it wasn't in the same league as Dominion. And Dominion does not get the hype, the notoriety, or the like promotion that Wrestle Kingdom does that tells you how good Dominion had to have been to have beaten Wrestle Kingdom right. yeah. in these awards. It's basically like some, someone being like, SummerSlam was better than WrestleMania. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so Dominion show of the year. So now we're going on to the match of the year. <laughs> Nominees: Omega Jericho, Wrestle Kingdom 12, Young Bucks vs Golden Lovers, Strong Style Evolved, Tanahashi vs Okada, Wrestling Dantaku, Omega vs Okada Dominion, 
Omega vs. Naito from G1 uh, Day 2, Ibushi vs. Ishii from G1 Day 10, Omega vs. Ishii from G G1 Day 14, Omega vs. Ibushi from the G1 B Block Finals, Tanahashi vs. Ibushi from the G1 Finals, and Tanahashi vs. Okada from Destruction in Kobe. So, your third place winner with 166 points Young Bucks vs. Golden Lovers from Strong Style Evolved. The second place winners with 303 points is Tanahashi vs. Ibushi from the G1 Climax Finals. Then your winner and match of the year for 2018 with 710 points. Kenny Omega vs. Kazuchika Okada from Dominion. It's the greatest match of all time. Um, <clears throat> the end of a 18-month chase for Omega on Okada. The end of Okada's legendary championship run. Um, when it was over, there was one single Rainmaker bill on that, that famous shot. Mm-hmm, that yeah. All that's left after like what is essentially a movie. Like If you watch the... Um, Video package, the entrances, the match, chiz, <laughs> and then the post match, like with Omega reuniting with the Bucks, who he had been estranged from uh, for months and months. I forgot about that. And then Kota Bushi is seconding him the whole time. This was not a match, this was a movie. Yeah, dude. New Japan is so great with their storytelling and their, uh, their camera work on just certain shots they catch. Like you said, you, you summed it up perfectly, Rich. This was a movie. And the climax of the story was Omega finally being able to beat Okada and capture the IWGP Championship. 17 V triggers. We <laughs> counted. Oh my gosh, yeah, dude. This was this match was just I can't can't put it over more. Like it, it is it's very <clears throat> it's just so incredible that these two guys have had four matches, every single one of them in different ways are worked differently tell a different story but still hold the same level of excellence when it comes to in-ring work when it comes to storytelling when it comes to you know emoting emotion out of the viewer um and this was the master class this was this match summarized all the different various stories that had been told through the different matches that they had the year prior and called back to them in beautiful and intelligent ways to where you as the viewer were treated and congratulated and respected and respected for having watched the earlier matches it's one of the most complete wrestling tales that you will ever see um it's one of the most impressive athletic feats from any two wrestlers i have ever seen it's 60 minute match where they don't fuck off they they they're they're not sitting there doing you know I'll tell you, like, for instance, one of my favorite all-time matches is Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Henning from 1986. And that's an hour-long match. And it's one of my favorite, like, hour-long draws. But most hour-long draws are going to involve some level of rest hold, some level of powdering, some level of ways to conserve their energy because they just have to. That's kind of what you know you're getting. With this, it was literally balls-to-the-wall action non-stop for over an hour plus it never ever ever stopped um and you generally like genuinely like we assumed kenny was probably gonna win this but 
man. We didn't know. Yeah, you're yeah. on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. This this match is incredible. Dude. Yeah. They um not only broke the star system again. Um <laughs> I don't even know more what to say about this match. It's just like a once in a lifetime moment that if you were following the story in real time and you watched that and you didn't feel something, you weren't alive. Yeah, like you don't like, have a pulse. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's very interesting how people can watch this and then criticize this product or these two wrestlers and stick up for anything outside of this company when it's like, this is... Like you were smoking rocks. Yeah, it's, it's greatness. <laughs> um, I just remember that. I just remember that moment in the match where like, Okada's gonna go for the Rainmaker and Kenny just falls to his knees and just hits the mat and I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, the the storytelling is just so incredible in this match. Yeah, amazing. So the, seven stars. <laughs> this is gonna bring us to the 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 Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year. Oh, you guys named it now. Yeah, it's always, well, it's always been named. We just didn't oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. The um, nominees: Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Kazushika Okada, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Zack Saber Jr. Coming in at third place with two hundred and sixty points, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. Coming in at second place with 283 points, the Rainmaker, Kazushika Okada. Mm-hmm. And your winner of the 2019, keeping 20, it strong. 2018. 20, I'm sorry, 2018, keeping it strong style, Antonio Inoki, Wrestler of the Year Award. The cleaner, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. Chalk up another one for Kenny. <laughs> Dude, Kenny Omega was on fire this year this was an incredible year you start at wrestle kingdom 12 with omega jericho alpha verse omega that crazy feud we thought we would never see they have an amazing match for the iwgp u.s title at wrestle kingdom 12 and then he just goes off from there you have we talked all about dominion uh, you the Golden look, Lovers. The, you mean the Golden Lovers. You want to look at his G1 climax this year. 4.2 average. He was in that incredible B block and had amazing matches. That he, he He's a champion. He's main eventing all these um, U.S. shows on the Western expansion. Like, It's a real bad day for all these people that come out here on this fuck Kenny Omega, he's bad for New Japan bullshit. Um... This man has take, taken the, the sport by storm this year. Like, just when you think he was, like, for me last year, and I'm in the minority, I thought he was the wrestler of the year last year, too. He had more five-star matches, you know, than Okada. That's neither here or there. But this is, like, the culmination of not only last year, but the year before that. He built up to this point where it's undeniable at this point. If you are coming out here and disrespecting this man for his craft, for how he puts the matches together, or you have some other weird reason that he, you think he's ruining your precious New Japan, you can go to hell. Like, <laughs> that's what these votes are telling you. That this man is, is a draw. This man is 
an amazing wrestler. This man is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete in this sport. What more does he have to do for your respect at this point? You don't got to like it, but you better learn to live with it. <laughs> yes. Diamonds are forever, and so is Kenny Omega. This dude just cleaned up on the awards poll. The cleaner. If you haven't been uh, keeping track. He has track, six matches in match of the year, I think. If you haven't been keeping track, he is your wrestler of the year. He was involved in the match of the year. He headlined the show of the year. He was in the tag team of the year. And <laughs> the gaijin of the year. And he was our gaijin of the year. Oh, my um, God. He, and, you know, this is... This is up to you guys. Yeah. This is not just me, Josh, and Rich voting. We had 302 people that voted in this Excursion match of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and he was involved in the excursion match of the year. Like, this is a general consensus of the people who listen to our show and people who watch New Japan that Kenny Omega is the wrestler of the year. Here's the thing, okay? Last year, Okada won the wrestler of the year, right? Yeah. People had criticisms about Okada. Some of those criticisms were correct. It didn't diminish the fact that the dude was the wrestler of the year. This year, people have criticisms about Kenny. And guess what? Some of them are valid. But no one's perfect. If you expect your wrestler of the year to literally be this infallible you know, sports figure, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. But to think that your criticisms of him diminish his accomplishments as a performer then you're wrong. <laughs> you're at wrong. this point, you're, you're rooting for laundry. Like, you're, you're, you're mad that he won the he was the man to beat uh, Okada for the championship and not your favorite wrestler. You're mad that he has the elite, like, in that whole thing about to get, you know, going. And he's still, like, business is as strong as it ever was. The company's not going into dire straits with putting him on top. People got a lot of stuff they need to address within themselves about their dislike like towards Kenny Omega. Yeah. I, I got questions about some of the character direction. I've got questions about some of the uh, character work and storylines and stuff. But w- the bottom line is you can take any of these guys on this list. I don't care who it is. I don't care. Give me your Kota Ibushis. Give me your Tomohiro Ishii's. Give me your Okada's. Give me your Tanahashi's. Let's do a... Match rating side by side with Kenny Omega, he's gonna beat them. He has like nine five star plus matches this year. It doesn't mean that they're not great or as good as Kenny or whatever you wanna say, but the bottom line is nobody accomplished as much in 2018 in New Japan or maybe even the wrestling world as Kenny Omega did when it comes to putting in the work in between them ropes. Yeah. Kenny Omega is the pinnacle. He is the signature of excellence. He is the highest quality of wrestler. He's the he's the best big match wrestler alive today. He just is. And so you can have problems with a lot of things that he's done, but I mean look at look at what he did. Look at his great look at his match output. Working a limited schedule, by the way. He only had fifty five matches in New Japan, I believe, this year. You know, the best spout machine. It's not just a gimmick. It's not just a nickname. Like, he really is. Did you see how he walked into, during the entrance for uh, Dominion, when he came out there and he was shredded yes. and just Chiseled. like, in, in, he looked like a junior again, damn near. Yeah. Like, this man is, it's crazy, like, how athletic he is and, like, the type of training that he does. Because it's like, 
when you walk up on him, you see Omega in person. He's fucking jacked. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's like, but he's small, but he's quick. He's an explosive athlete. He's not the most dynamic athlete that I've ever seen. Like, I think Ricochet is a better athlete. I think Kotobushi is a better athlete than Omega. But when it comes to being spectacular, he has no equal. Like, he's just a spectacular performer in any way that you slice it. Long matches, the, his endurance is incredible. Yeah, and he's he's extremely versatile. If Kenny Omega wants to come out and do a comedy match, he will excel at it. If he wants to come out and tell a one-hour epic in the you know in you know Sumo Hall, he can do that. If he wants to have a brawl with Jericho and be in a blood feud, he can do that. If he wants to have a tag team spectacular with the Young Bucks, he can do that. There's nothing he can't do. If he wants to have a strong style fight with Ishii in the G1, he's going to do that. Or if he wants to tell a tag team epic and make Will Ospreay look like he belongs with heavyweights, he can do that. Kenny Omega has been excellent this year. Anything you ask him to do, he's excelled at. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what, what more we can say, man. He's Ken- the man. Yes. <laughs> Kenny Omega, the 2018 Keeping a strong style wrestler of the year. And I, and I got to tell you guys, too, every single guy that's on this ballot, we could sit here and talk about ad nauseum how great of a year all these guys have had. All these guys. All, all these, these guys. guys. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is there is no realistic argument against Kenny Omega that I think is worth even having a discussion about. I don't think having a discussion about Okada or Tanahashi or Osprey or Ishii or, any, or even Ibushi is valid in the light of Kenny Omega's resume. I just don't. And you guys know, I'm not the biggest Omega mark in the world. That I'd be that you'd have to put me in the Tanahashi category. I love Tanahashi. I like Kenny Omega, but it would be unrealistic to say that anybody here has a valid argument against. Kenny Omega. It'd be irresponsible. They just, yeah. don't, they just don't. They just don't. So yeah, that's so. what it is. He's he's the he's the wrestler of the year. And you know what's crazy? I thought he had a better year last, last year. year. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. And I had this conversation with Josh probably about three months ago. I was like, Omega's been ninety nine percent as good as he was last year. And I think people tried to they tried to throw rocks at the throne, but they couldn't throw him far enough. Yeah. So that. That's your results for the Keeping a Strong Style 2018 Year in Awards. Congratulations, y'all. We want to thank everybody (laughs) that voted in this year's award. Your voice was heard. We'd love your feedback on what you thought about um, all the winners. And maybe you thought maybe somebody should have won in a different category or something like that. We want to hear all your feedback from uh, the winners of the awards. Although, keep in mind, you have to argue with 300 people, 300 voices. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't turn around and be like, Josh and Jeremy, it ain't us. Yeah. We, we, just, we just put it out there. Y'all, it's y'all. Yeah. <laughs> y'all did this. Y'all did this. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to jump into the news real quick and kind of touch on some of these uh, news stories that's been going on. Um, on NJPW1972.com, there was a special Wrestle Kingdom 13 uh, interview with Kenny Omega. Um, he had some uh, choice words for Hiroshi Tanahashi, and you know, he seems like he he wants us to be prepared to see our hero fall. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, yeah, he ain't playing with. I I listened to that 
or read that also the Rolling Stone interview that he just did uh, leading into Wrestle Kingdom. So it's that time of the year where they're starting to do a lot more press. But he did have like some statements regarding like uh, one thing that stood out to me was he was talking about how there's other guys who have all this goodwill with New Japan fans and like the Smarks. And he was talking about like Finn Balor and he's talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and he's talking about AJ Styles. And he's like, these dudes have all this goodwill and y'all hating on me. Me and I fucking stayed. And he's like, and I stayed, they left, and you want them to come back when I raised this company up. And he was like, the reason all these dudes have paychecks, the reason that all these dudes are drawing is because of me, but I'm the one who's killing New Japan. Mm-hmm. Very and, interesting. Yeah, except for he had a lot more expli- explicit and derogatory remarks beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also heard him on Twitch. Uh, he was talking about like the Tanahashi fans, and he's like, all these guys, they come out, he's like, on Twitter or on Twitch, I'll be playing a video game. He's like, and they decide they want to like at me, and he's like, and, and basically say like, oh, I heard that, you know, you're a racist, or, you know, against Japanese wrestlers, or I heard you're a pedophile, talking about like the Chase and Rance oh thing. Oh my God. And he was like, and the problem is, he's like, if I, if I respond to this stuff, and I'm like, no, that's crazy, I'm not. They're like, oh, Kenny has such thin skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, so literally, I, he's like, I can't play a video game in peace, and then they're bombarding me, and then I respond to it, and then it, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm a vanity. I'm attacked. Yeah, yeah. I'm a vad- vanity searcher. Yeah. And he's, like, he's like, this is ridiculous. He's like... <laughs> Crazy, bro. Psychos is out there to get Omega. Like, yeah. And like you mentioned, Josh, he was also in uh, Rolling Stone. He was on, also on the cover of Rolling, Store, Rolling Stone. Had that GQ like photo shoot looking on there. Yeah, man. Apparently, he, they, it looked like they drew his eyebrows on yeah, or something. Yeah, like, I don't know what happened yeah. with that. <laughs> it looked like uh, uh, eyebrows on fleek ref. Yeah. <laughs> I actually uh, was listening to the Wilford Watches podcast, part of the Social Suplex Podcasting Network. And he had um, one of the uh, French um, commentators yeah, yeah. for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And dur- during the Wilfies, which is Wilford Watch's award shows, um, Omega had won both the most o- overrated wrestler of the year as well as wrestler of the year. And he was asking him, he's like, what do you think of that that, that distinction that there's a, f- a section of the fan base thinks he's overrated, but he's also the wrestler of the year. And he was like, I think that the, the broadcaster basically said, I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. <laughs> and he's like, who are these fans that are voting calling him overrated? And the wrestler of the year. And then he said, people want to criticize him as champion. He's like, I guarantee you that if Tetsuya Naito, and this is his words, not mine. He said, if Tetsuya Naito had won the title, they would have turned around and done the exact same thing and criticized him. He's like, Naito would be the one that's under attack right now, not Kenny. And I thought it was a very interesting take. Mm. Uh, so also in the news, uh, Michael Elgin out with a knee injury. So uh, Nagata will re- will be replacing Elgin in the pre-show gauntlet, Russell Kingdom 13. He'll be teaming with uh, David Finley and Jeff Cobb. You want to know an interesting thing about that gauntlet match? Hmm. We're going to discuss it when we do our preview, but have you thought about the fact that you've got uh, Yano from Chaos... Um, Taguchi from Taguchi Japan and then um, Makabe from GBH all teaming up. Three guys from three separate uh, factions. Yeah. Oh, so it does seem like we gotta get everybody on the show <laughs> that matters. No. We don't we no. gonna we gonna break this. Not really. There's no, a lot of people. It, it's part of the story. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Very yeah. interesting. 
uh, Wrestle King or New Japan, is, they're running a Wrestle Kingdom 13 prediction contest on Twitter. The rules for it is on njpw1972.com. The winner gets a Wrestle Kingdom 13 premium T-shirt. Uh, Chris Jericho recently released a video cutting a promo on Naito, building up their Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, kind of the big statement there. He said that Wrestle Kingdom 13 will be the last night of Naito's career. He's trying to put him out of the business. Yes. Yeah, send him home forever. Um, the new beginning in USA uh, tickets went on sale this past weekend. The North Carolina show is already sold out, and <sighs> the show in um, LA in the Globe Theater is almost sold out. Um, only a few more tickets are left for that show. They only have standing room balcony uh, seating still available. Who knows if that's still the case at this point? That's probably going to go soon. Um, Kevin Kelly did come out on Twitter and say that more tickets are going to be released for the North Carolina show, but not right now. Yeah. So there is a chance that they'll be expanding the seating, and that's good sign for them because they... There's a demand there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. I don't think that these are super big shows. I think they're only doing like a thousand seats or something like that. But still, that's awesome that they're selling out. So that's really, really, I mean, fast too. Yeah. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was featured in the largest English language newspaper in Japan, the Japan Times. The article features interviews with Kenny Omega, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the New Japan Pro Wrestling president, Harold May. Uh, New Japan just recently released the New Japan Cup poster. Interesting thing, there is no Kenny Omega on this poster, guys. No ZSJ. Yeah, there's no Gaijins at all on the poster. No. Except Jay White. Jay White is one oh. of the top four people on the I missed that, yeah. Um, although Kevin Kelly did come out and say that these are not the people in the New Japan Cup, it's just a promotional poster, but very interesting that there's no elite-affiliated wrestlers on it whatsoever. No Marty, no Cody, no Hangman, no Bucks, nobody. Yeah. Uh, Ring of Honor announced that uh, they'll be joining up with New Japan again once again to present the Honor Rising Tour in Tokyo. This will be on February 22nd and February 23rd. This is the fourth year in a row for Honor Rising. You know, normally we'll see some top Ring of Honor guys against top New Japan guys. So. Uh, I, who, who, I, who are we booking Bandito against? That's all <laughs> I want to know. I, I got a gripe with that because I don't think we usually see the top, top Ring of Honor guys. Like we see like. A couple, and then some mid cards. This year, guys, bring us your top guys. Bring them over. Let's leave Billy Ray home too. Well, I think that we'll have to save some stuff for the um, MSG show a nah. few months later. Now nah, we're good. Bring them. Bring them. Bring them. <laughs> we we need we need something to set up that MSG show. True. Bring, bring your top Big guys. Angle. But speaking of that MSG show, the Young Bucks came out on Twitter this week and said that they will not be performing at the Ring of Honor New Japan show at MSG. Was it Matt saying that or Nick? We gotta be. It careful. was Matt Jackson. Oh, then okay. it might be true. Might be true. Yeah. If it was Nick, then it means I would never believe it. <laughs> right. If it was Nick, then it means they're definitely gonna be on the yeah, show. And they're probably in the main event or something like right. that. <laughs> but do you guys think that this is the since Cody's not on the show, Bucks aren't on the show? Does All Elite Wrestling have a show planned? Yes or no, do you think? And this was my original thought when NXT moved to Friday. I thought someone, somewhere, had some type of information in WWE and was like, we're going to go to the Friday. So that leaves only one real day for them to run anything. That would be like Thursday or Saturday during the day. Or they could run head-to-head. Or head to, or they'll have to go head to head and find a building. Yeah, 
I don't know. We don't know anything. It's not impossible. I mean, it's pro wrestling in 2019, so anything is possible. I do think that it's a really quick turnaround for them to basically announce the idea of a promotion, and then suddenly they've got a WrestleMania weekend show. We don't know any details, so it's possible. I don't think it's likely, but if it came out, I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. The only, the only one thing for me, it's like, there are so many promotions there that weekend, and so many buildings are already booked. Like, yeah. is it is there any other building that's open that weekend that they could get? Maybe there is, and maybe they already have a booked and they have like a... I mean, there's a, a lot of arenas in New York. Yeah. yeah. There really are, so it's possible. Yeah. So yeah, we'll keep our eyes out on that story. Um... The Lions Break Project show the um, that happened in uh, California, they're finally up on New Japan World. Um, also up on New Japan World and YouTube, History of Chaos Part 2 is up, and History of the Bullet Club Part 3 is up. And speaking of the book... Those videos are better now. Yeah. They're getting better than they were when I, they I'm first really started. enjoying the Chaos ones. Yeah. yeah. So much like, backstory that I, I didn't really realize. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Bullet Club, Tamatanga came out on Twitter and um, said that Jay White is the leader of the Bullet Club. So Tamatanga out here switching up. I thought it wasn't no leader. Right, after we're, we're all a leader. We're all equals. Yeah. And now he's saying that Jay White is the leader. They put that boy over hard. <laughs> How about, uh, did you see him put that tweet out where he was like, 2019, we're going to do this again. And he, he tweeted Guns and Gallows and was like, y'all ready to do this? Yeah, yeah. So rumors of yeah, uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and uh, Luke Gallows coming back to New Japan. They might as well. Right. <laughs> they ain't doing shit. <laughs> uh, another video that went up was the the series The Wire. They took a look at the rivalry. I love The Wire between uh, Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> look at the rivalry between uh, Ishii and Zack Saber Jr. Got their big uh, match coming up at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Yuji Nagata, he was voted in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Yeah. He also signed a new contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So uh, Nagata not hanging it up anytime soon. Doesn't need to, quite frankly. Yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, Ring of Honor has announced that Bandito and Mark Haskins will make their debuts at the January events. So be on the lookout for those guys. Uh, this week, also on Twitter, Okada posted about an Okada cruise. Now, is it real? It's real. It's real. It's not a real cruise, though. From what I've gathered, it's not a real cruise. It's like gonna be a short dinner tour in like the Tokyo Bay or like the harbor. Um, it's like a it's like a booze cruise, basically. It's like one of those little like starlight, yeah. you know, cruise gotcha. kind of gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you have dinner on it. Right, it's right, a dinner cruise. yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hilarious. Yeah. There are people that think that this whole thing is to set up Okada That's and me, Jericho. sir. That was me, <laughs> sir. So my uh, theory was like Jericho feels like he has the cruise game on lock. And Okada, he, he, he somehow caught wind of this. And that's the setup. Well, I yeah. think that leads us to the next news story, actually. Yeah. So Jericho has announced his, his second cruise, second wave. Uh, no dates yet. You can sign up on um, the, his website to get information on when the cruise will be and location, all that stuff. But the first Jericho cruise was a, was a big success, and so he's doing it again next year. They said everyone had fun. You didn't Dude. hear any bad stories come out coming out of it. You know, a lot of people were down on this thing before it ever happened. Dude, it's it's going to be a bunch of funky. I, I, I kind of want to go. Yeah, they were like, it's going to be a bunch of funky, you know, Bullet Club fans and stuff like that. I, and that that 
generalization is like kind of like mean spirited. Yeah, and it's like all the reviews I heard from this thing, it was it was fun wrestling, fun music. Of course, the cruise atmosphere, no incidents at all. This is a bunch of people having a good time. What's wrong with that? Yeah, and the matches, they, were, they had some good matches on there. I mean, the uh, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club match was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what uh, where they'll be for next year and what's going to happen. Um, All Elite Wrestling, they applied for a tr- another trademark recently, uh, Fight for the Fallen. So, who knows what that means. Maybe it's a pay-per-view or... Uh, who or a, a stable? Who knows what it's going to be? But they applied the trademark for that. And then the last thing I have here in the news, not really New Japan related, but we've been kind of following the story of Pac um, for OTT Homecoming on February seventeenth. He will be going against Walter for the OTT Championship. Yep, there what was, a match! That I'm very, very, very excited about that. There was one thing I wanted to point out. There's a really cool post on Reddit right now. Um, you can find it. Uh, the Reddit user, uh, unique underscore Reddit underscore user, posted the New Japan workers in 2018 statistics, and he broke down the different match records and match statistics of every single person involved in wrestling in New Japan. Very eye-opening. For instance, like Bushi has worked more matches than any other uh, individual in in, uh, New Japan this past year. Which like you wouldn't normally think of him as like a workhorse, you right? Know? And everybody hates I mean, him. I mean, a million tag team matches, probably. Yeah. You know, out of all the the singles guys, though, the person in the involved in the like in the heavyweight division, the person that's involved in the most worked matches as a heavyweight wrestler was Okada. Not surprised. Yeah. yeah. All right. So well, that's gonna wrap things up for us. Uh, next week we'll be back with a. Uh, for our preview and predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13. So make sure you check that out. And uh, make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Rich is at RichLatta32. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash wrestling sports circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style, which is Rich Ladder 32. You might see me in the comments saying Ichiban every yeah, week. Every week. <laughs> uh, you can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com if you have any questions for the show or want to be involved with Social Suplex. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Rich here hosts One Nation Radio alongside James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland, which um, tomorrow, if you're listening to this tomorrow, they'll be dropping the super quiz um, that we were all on, One Nation Radio versus Keeping a Strong Style versus Ricky and Clive. Won't give away any spoilers, but it was a very uh, fun quiz, and I think you guys will enjoy that. We have The Outsider's Edge featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit. Hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. We also have Wilfred Watches and the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang! Kenny Omega's Wrestler of the Year. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.